0: We all think that Hamas and that little war in Israel is the greatest danger the Western nations face, but it is not. The greatest danger the Western nations and the civilization at large faces is its educated and deluded youth, the college and university graduates, allied with local and recently immigrated Muslims. The next time you see one of those demos on the TV, don't let it fly over your head. Look into the picture and see the participants, and see what and who they actually are. There is a high proportion of local Muslim immigrants among them. This is not a local protest. It is a tendril of a global one. And that's our fault. We have not been keeping a proper eye on things because we believe in personal freedoms and we allow our people the space to pursue whatever their concept of freedom happens to be. These people, staging demos in support of Hamas, are openly supporting global Islamic terrorism. And global Islamic terrorism has only one task, the propagation of militant and global Islam. And among their soldiers in New Zealand are many of our deluded youth. We have known for a while now that our educators, that is, teachers and university lecturers, lean to the left. And many are hard left. And while we have been looking the other way, a left-leaning majority in our education system has metastasized into a global support for Hamas. And Hamas is an Islamist Palestinian terrorist organisation, one of many, and they now have global reach. Hamas has already demonstrated their power by slaughtering innocents in Israel with full TV coverage. Coverage. That graphically shows acts so merciless, oppressive and disgusting, that many of us doubt the validity of what we are seeing with our own eyes on our TV news. Also, the people organising these barbaric terrorists know that by focusing their fury and barbarism on Israel, they are tapping into our latent prejudice against Jews. Now... In a very big hurry, we need to understand that a couple of hundred students and friends allied with recent Muslim immigrants holding a demo in Auckland's Queen Street is not just a problem of deluded youth in New Zealand because, in fact, what they are doing is mimicking similar student and youth groups all over the Western world who have got their empathy for recent Islamic immigrants confused with Hamas and the global Islamic terrorism. Read carefully. This is a global evil and your young ones in the guise of supporting the oppressed are involved in what is the beginning of a global insurrection and it is your enemy, an unashamed enemy of our Western civilization. I don't know how to do this, but we have to find people who do to help us. This is not a time for us to sit on our hands. We need to sit up and take notice, and we need to make sure we understand what's happening and get ourselves organised to push back. In the past, we would have been able to rely on our media to expose this infestation of evil in our midst, but those days are gone. We all know by now that our media is lost in a quagmire of fake ideologies and idiot personalities, none of which represents us. We need to forget them. We need to push them aside and use the internet to get an understanding of what is actually going on. Some new leaders are going to need to emerge, people who we can trust to be honest. I think the first thing we need to do is raise enough money to take the media back and clean out our so-called newsrooms. That's probably the only place we, we can start. This is Dennis Hall with Liberty NZ Radio.
1: This is the Liberty NZ Breakfast.
2: A reminder that Elon Musk is a hero of the republic.
3: I mean, Soros actually, you know, he he is, I believe, a top contributor to the Democratic Party. Um, The second one was uh, Sam (laughs) Backward-Free. In my opinion, he fundamentally hates humanity. That's my opinion. Really? Yeah. I mean, well, he's doing things that erode the fabric of civilization. You know, uh, getting DAs elected who refuse to prosecute crime. That's part of the problem in San Francisco and L.A. and a bunch of other cities. So why would you do that? Uh, Soros realized that you don't actually need to change the laws. You just need to change how they're enforced. If nobody chooses to enforce the law or the laws are differentially enforced, it's like changing the laws.
2: To hear a replay of this hour, go to episodes at TNTradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News.
4: For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The World Health Organization claims it has lost contact with the health personnel inside the Al-Shifa hospital as the Israeli forces continue their precise and targeted operation. WHO Director General Tedros Ghebreyesus said on Wednesday, reports of military incursion into Al-Shifa hospital are deeply concerning. We've lost touch again with health personnel at the hospital. We're extremely worried for their and their patient safety. Earlier in the day, Israeli forces raided Gaza's largest hospital in an precise and targeted operation against Hamas in a very specific area of the Shiva Hospital. The IDF also shared some of the resources that it had given to the hospital, including incubators, baby food, and medical supplies. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rebuked his Canadian counterpart on social media late November 14th, after Justin Trudeau urged Israel to protect civilian life in the brutal war it is waging on Hamas and the Gaza Strip. Mr. Trudeau said the world is witnessing the killing of women, children, and babies, and that it must stop. He said the human tragedy that is unfolding in Gaza is heart-wrenching, especially the suffering we see in and around the Al-Shifa hospital. Gaza's largest hospital became a focal point of the conflict this week as Israeli ground troops surrounded the campus. Sir Kira Starmer slammed Rishi Sunak's migration policy following the Supreme Court ruling the Rwanda plan unlawful.
5: The asylum backlog has swollen to 175,000 people. Taxpayers are paying £8 million a day on hotel bills and 615 people arrived by small boat last Sunday alone. Plan A has failed. And after this session, whether he likes it or not, he'll have to go back to his office, back to the drawing board, and start from scratch. Could he assure the British public That he will drop what his former home secretary calls his magical thinking and start treating small boat crossings with the seriousness that they deserve. Mr.
6: (laughs) Mr. Speaker.
3: Mr. Speaker, he talks about a changed Labour Party. Perhaps we'll see that this evening. He can't even make his party do the right thing when it comes to standing by Israel in the vote later today. He talks about taking small boats crossing seriously. He's opposed every single measure that we have taken, Mr. Speaker. Again, let me update him on what we've done this year. The number of illegal Albania arrivals down by 90%. 20,000 people returned this year. The number of crossings down by a third. He mentioned Hotels closing 50 of them, money being saved for taxpayers, all,
6: all, by the way, opposed by the party opposite.
4: Finland could soon close border checkpoints with Russia for security reasons, citing concerns about illegal immigrants from third countries. Helsinki recently tightened border measures by banning people crossing by bicycle from Russia. Here with more is TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen.
7: So here you can see Russia is basically figuring out the EU game, the border game, the game of immigration. People are fleeing from places like Iraq, U.S. war zones, countries in collapse, Afghanistan, Uzbekistan. They're coming through the former Soviet republics. They're coming through Russia and they're coming into Europe via the border with Finland. So now Finland is claiming this is a migrant crisis. We're not talking about a lot of people here at the moment. We're talking about a few hundred in spurts, but apparently this is a crisis for Finland, an existential crisis, so much so they're announcing this EU country, Finland's announcing it's going to shut its border with Russia. And so they're going to be banning Russians on bicycles coming across the russia finnish border. These are day-trippers on bikes. This has been going on for a long time, remember? They had good relations before until the Ukraine conflict when NATO strong-armed Finland into membership. And now they're basically the adversary of Russia. Who knew? For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen.
1: Well, thank you, Patrick. It's four minutes past five. Good morning. Good morning to you. It is Grant Edwards here. It is me, woken up, ready to go, and we're here to see. Accept- Seven o'clock, Lord willing, unless I don't, unless something happens to me in the meantime. Anyway, we've got some news from New Zealand. We'll go to Radio New Zealand. Then we'll have a look at News Hub. We'll look at stuff. I plan to go to Australia and look at Sky News. And uh, also we'll have a look, if I get time, (laughs) I I get weighed down, I don't get bogged down with all this stuff. Uh, We'll have a look at um, the um, Israel uh, actual defence force, the Israeli defence force, see what they're telling us. And uh, what else will we do? We will go to Reuters and see what the international news is is dishing up. Uh, But right now we've got weather coming up in just a moment. I asked a guy one time what his TV cost. He said about $450. I said you forgot to look at
3: the price tag.
4: He said, what do you mean? I knew he was a TV watcher. I said, that television costs you, in my opinion, at least $12,000 a year to watch it, not to own it. Owning it's cheap. Watching it is what's expensive. And I said, hey, 12,000 a year is too much to pay to watch TV. That's too much. Pay a little, (laughs) but
1: not $12. Thousands. That is right. That is Jim Ron. Gosh, he's good. Oh, I really enjoyed listening to him. He's got fantastic. Just a fantastic man. Wonderful human being. Okay, let's look at the extremes right across the country. First of all, the highest temperature right now is Kapiti, right down near Levin. Just looking off the coast between Wellington and Levin. Kapiti, 15 degrees at the moment. Omarama, it's a very cold place there. That's in Mackenzie country. And uh, I think it was about... Mm, June it got down to minus 9.7 no, no kidding O'Marrima is 0.3 degrees at the moment Lyle Bay in Wellington is the coldest uh, sorry the, the, the windiest place but it's not very windy it's only 26 kilometres per hour it always sounds worse because they use kilometres but really in knots that's about I don't know 10 knots or something or maybe a bit more round right about that, 10, maybe 15. OK, the wettest place is 0.6. Not a lot of wind, uh, rain in Milford, getting mixed up between wind and rain. Um, all right, so Milford's here 0.6 millimetres. Stewart Island, 9 degrees. Vicargo 5. Dunedin, 10 degrees right now. Queenstown's nipped off a bit. It's 3 degrees there. France-Joseph on the west coast, and also Westport, 7 and 9 degrees. Nelson's uh, fifth 14 degrees, and Blenheim's on 13. Christchurch, 10, and Timaru is 10. Did I say Dunedin, yes 10, Chathams is 11 in the North Island near up the top there, is that Munster, I can't know, New Munster, I don't know, they had all names like that didn't they, before 1840 or around about 1840 I think they named them all these funny names, we'll look at that too on this day in history, also uh, the first person hung for treason was hung on this day and I think it was 1869 but we'll look at that a little bit later on Wellington 13, Masterton, a little bit warmer gosh John Ansell you're, you're, you're right, actually. <laughs> it's not so bad after all. But, it, you know, right through the winter, it was blim and cold. If it was 13 degrees in Wellington, which it wouldn't have been, but let's say it was like 8 degrees in Wellington, it'd be 4 degrees in Masterton, but that seems to have changed. Uh, now it's all now that it's sort of turned summery Palmerston North 15 degrees New Plymouth 14 Napier's on 15 Taupo 12 Rotorua dipped 1 by 11 to 11 Gisborne 15 Tauranga 13 Hamilton's also on 13 along with Auckland and Whangarei. it's get- getting a bit colder in north isn't it in the north and it's warm in the south uh, Whangarei is 12 degrees and Kaitaia 9 very chilly there OK, let's go to the short forecast for Northland, Auckland, Coromandel Peninsula. Mainly fine weather for you today. Cloud increasing and isolated showers developing this evening, though. So if you've got any work to do up there in Northland, you need to get onto it early. OK, you do. Not tomorrow. Too late tomorrow, because could be showers overnight. Waikato to Taranaki, including the Bay of Plenty, Tapo and Tomorurui, uh, or Taramanui, however you want to say it. Uh, we've got cloud. It seems to me it's such a long name. It's just, just to be called Taramanui. That's what we called it back in the sixties, seventies, and eighties. It was always Taramanui. and then the then the um, the marriage got involved with it. I mean, how dare they get involved with their own language? Anyway, <laughs> cloudy periods, isolated chars for Waikato, Waitomo, and uh, Taramanui and Karanaki, and then Gisborne and the Rapper also for Wellington. Make sure we pronounce that properly. It's not Wallington. Uh, you've got fine weather today, but a few showers about uh, southern Hawke's Bay and the Tararua district this afternoon. For Wanganui to happy also for Kapiti, which is quite warm there today, isn't it? Didn't we say it was about 15 degrees at the moment right now at eight minutes past five? That's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, now, I've lost my place. Where are we? Oh, you shouldn't be doing that, Grant. You should stick here we are Cavity Coast this is um, Wanganui Taihapi Kapiti also Nelson and Marlborough so right across the Cook Strait there uh, it's going to be not too bad today partly cloudy isolated showers about south Kapiti Coast during the day for Buller and Fiordland partly cloudy with isolated showers rain developing I'm sorry that's south of Hokitika though <laughs> that's going to be this evening so you're alright for the day Canterbury partly cloudy with isolated showers clearing and then becoming fine this morning Otago and Southland what have you got mainly fine uh, Oh. Scattered rain developing, though, in the south uh, this evening, and uh, a few spots of rain elsewhere later. And for the Chathams, you've got partly cloudy. Let's look ahead for tomorrow, Saturday. It is Friday today, isn't it? Yes, ten past five here. Good morning. Welcome to the programme. The extended forecast for the North Island tomorrow, Saturday, scattered showers in the west, Spreading elsewhere later, and turning to rain from Waikato to Taranaki, with heavy falls possible tomorrow in the South Island. Rain in the west with heavy falls early morning, clearing later though. Uh, rain spreading north elsewhere, easing in the in the south later. Sunday for the North Island, occasional rain and showers from Taupo northwards, or Tupu, uh, scattered showers elsewhere. Uh, south Island, you've got on Sunday scattered showers in the east, and you've got a few and in the south, I should say, but it's going to be clearing. And you've got some showers lingering about the southern Fiordland, Stewart Island as well, mainly fine elsewhere. And then back to work on Monday for you that do actually have to go back to work. <laughs> in the North Island, scattered showers, but periods of rain likely in northern South Island, mostly fine, but isolated showers mainly about the ranges during the afternoon and evening. Chathams, your long-range forecast, you've got... Um, it's, it says here you've got sowers, sowers developing. So you've got some people over there sowing, either that or they meant to say showers. Uh, they might may have just forgotten the H. I think that's what's happened there. So sowers developing on Friday with northwesterly winds freshening. And then you've got showers turning to rain on Saturday, clearing later with winds changing from southwest uh rather to the southwest for a time. A few showers on Sunday with easterlies. There's always showers with easterlies. Do you find that? I do find that, Grant. I do. Now let's um let's welcome everybody. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. It's good. The program's growing, and uh, so obviously I'm not uh, pissing off too many people. Now, now for you Christians that are listening to me, because um, a lot of them come in and they say, oh, he swears all the time. Well, I only use Bible words. I, I do. Sometimes I might say shit, and I shouldn't say that, should I? But then dung is a Bible word, so I mean, I could say dung, but shit just seems to roll off the tongue easy. Um, I don't like it when I hear women doing it. <laughs> <laughs> They're not allowed to, but it's okay for a guy to every now and then, I think. But not all the time, not every third word, and I, ne- I never blaspheme. If I blaspheme, oh boy, that is terrible. I'd be on my knees if I was blaspheming, taking the, the, the Lord's name in vain. And you know that that name that most of you, not all of you listening, hopefully, but many people that use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and they use it in um, as a byword, that name is going to be the very name that's going to judge you. So, when you stand naked before him, uh, you won't won't be very happy because that name that you're using there is going to be your judge. We've got Christopher Hitchkin Hipkins, uh, not Hipkins, Hitchens. Of course he's an atheist. I think he's gone, isn't he? One of the brothers is still alive. not sure about Christopher, he's an atheist, but sometimes he makes sense. It's a bit like some hom- some homosexuals make sense. Uh, for example Douglas Murray I like him even though he's a homosexual I don't I don't dislike him he, And what I do like about Douglas Murray He doesn't push his sexuality on us Like everybody else does As
2: a Sufi Muslim I'm very ruffled By the title of your book Did you have to settle for the uh, literal negation Of Allahu Akbar?
1: Yes
5: At the moment it's very clear to me the most toxic form that religion takes is the Islamic form. The horrible idea of wanting to end up with sharia, the state of religious law, and that the best means of getting there is jihad, holy war, and that Muslims have a special right to feel aggrieved enough to demand this. I think is an absolute, obscene, Wickedness. And I think their religion is nonsense. God speaks to some illiterate merchant warlord in Arabia, and it contains the answers to all human- Don't, don't, don't waste my time. It's bullshit. <laughs> but, but you're saying the same about- it. Also that God, that God speaks- The Archangel Gabriel speaks only Arabic. All religions claim to be revealed truth. but Islam rather dangerously says, ours is the last and final one. There can't be any more after this. This is God's last word. Now that's straight away a temptation to violence and intolerance, and if you note, it's a temptation they seem quite willing to fall for. Every Allahu Akbar reminds people that we're in a very serious struggle. We're very depraved
1: oh, yeah, I don't know why they've ended so badly. Terrible. We've got Samantha Edwards coming up too. She's going to be talking about Winnie's compulsory tax. He was. He, he wanted everyone to get jabbed. Oh, yes, he did. That was um, back in September. He actually made a comment on Facebook. I've got the copy of it, where he said, um, that, come on, we've got we've to force everyone to basically, this is me paraphrasing, got to force everybody to get jabbed so we can get out of this lockdown. Because it wasn't so bad for him. He was at the end of his, uh, you know, garden. Uh, throwing a line in the water. So, you know, it wasn't so bad for him. But what about the poor people that many people that I know that, are, that were, you know, trapped in an apartment in Auckland couldn't go anywhere, didn't have a dog to take for a walk? <laughs> dog sales went up, actually. A lot of people bought dogs so they could go for a walk. So, yeah, you know, anyway, there you go. That's what happened. I, we don't want really to remind Dewey of how rotten it was. Um, but we, we can't forget and NZ uh, New Zealand doctors speaking out with science they are not going to, forget they are on our case they're on the case for us, on our behalf if we're not going to quarter past five, thank you for joining me let's go to New Zealand, uh, Radio New Zealand rnz.co.nz and the the big story there uh, would have to be the Auckland Council residents Auckland Council rather residents, industry groups are against the congestion charge the proposed charge will Be around three dollars fifty to five dollars a trip, and those opposed are concerned that there's not enough alternative people, uh, not enough alternatives for people to get to work, which I think is rubbish. You've got cycle lanes all over the place, haven't you? Get on your flipping as pony and walk to work. Um, but then you know, I can see you know, I can see some of it there. You know, they're saying like old people, well, unless you've got a meeting or appointment, old people, you know, retirees don't need to um use the um public you know they don't you need to use motorways at at the congested time congested times so they can wait Can't they? Unless it's, you know, they can change their appointment, (laughs) can't they? Get on the bike. We all need to get on our bike from time to time. On your bike. Clinical psychologists, significant questions around the welfare of the Maricopa fugitive's children. I still don't know why they are after him in the first place and why he ran away. Why did he take the kids? This needs to be brought out. I don't know. And now it's been almost two years since the children, Jada, Maverick and Ember, disappeared with their fugitive father. That's Tom Phillips. And police are increasingly concerned I bet you are blaming him for all this stuff like bank robberies and you know getting the kids involved in that armed robbery you know I just don't believe it I don't buy it I just think they've got an egg on their face because they haven't been able to locate him obviously people that know him they, they like him and obviously he's getting a lot of local help to evade the police and why is it in the first place what's the story you know is it my sus- suspect my um, sort of suspicion is that he didn't want the children to be jabbed with the toxic mRNA experimental biological agent and good on him, rightly so. So he's taken them off off and gone bush to uh, to save them from that. But but all this other stuff, oh, I just oh, I, don't, know. I just don't believe it. Um, now, we've got the um, South Island's first MOA footprints uh, are millions of years old, according to a study. Research has discovered that the first MOA footprints in the South Island date back to Here's, here's, here, you go. Three point six million years. Now, when you hear millions of years, uh, you're, you're you're listening to long ago and far away. It is an adult fairy tale. Uh, any thinking person knows that carbon fourteen is not very good, not very accurate at all. Carbon fo- fo- uh, that's carbon fourteen dating. If you know anything about it, there's plenty of um, evidence that we live on a um, uh, what do you call it? A um, a young Earth. <laughs> I know, a lot of you are thinking, oh, God, evolution. Listen, the question to ask these evolutionists is, how did life begin? When did life begin? And how it began? You've got two choices, haven't you? Either you came from nothing, and all of that you see around us here came from nothing, and one of the Huxley's said... Nothing comes from nothing. He said non-living matter cannot reproduce matter, and and that's that. Or the other option is that you came from something. There must have been a first cause, and that is science. Many of the cutting-edge scientists today believe there must have been a first cause, and all things came from that. So this 3.6 million years is just rubbish. I mean, there's footprints of men walking around with dinosaurs, and dinosaurs were only called dinosaurs in 1842. Prior to that, they were called dragons. Which is what the Bible calls them, and uh, so that's where you get all those dragon stories. They're true. They're real. There were dragons breathing fire, and uh, they're in the Bible. And they are not dinosaurs. They're not millions of years old. They are, and I've I've seen, I've seen the coal print, uh, coal a footprint of a dinosaur's footprint just a big dirty big um, actual dragon and then you had and they weren't um, buffaloes or whatever they call rhinoceros uh, the new new versions get it all mucked up they weren't elephants they were dirty great big fire breathing um, dinosaurs which God destroyed if you read the book of Joel he, he got rid of them uh, and uh, so th- they're all true stories when the Bible says something it's always true there were unicorns in the Bible there were giants in the earth in those days Giants. That's right. And uh, plenty of giants have been found all over the world. Dirty great big skeletons. I don't know, some of them 12, 15 feet tall. Massive, massive individuals. Uh, Apparently there's even some evidence that they were here in New Zealand. But all over the world they've found them. Of course it's been covered up by the evolutionists because they don't want to, they don't want to be, they don't want, they'll do anything, these people. Most of them are leftists too, you know, communists. They don't want the Bible to be to uh, us, us to realise that the Bible is true. They're trying to hide God from you. So the people like that are called. The Bible names them actually. They're called children of disobedience. That's what they are. Twenty five minutes past five, and we'll uh, go and keep on going and have a look here. So we've got that one on the count. I'll do I'll do a bit more detail on some of these stories. Um, this is front page stuff here with Radio New Zealand. The Gore Council CEO saga takes a new twist. The former council chief financial officer says that he was pushed out and has announced his intention to seek the job. Again, this is the top job. Even though he's now based in the UK, he's going to give it another crack. So that's New Zealand news. Let's go over and have a look and see if there's anything different with world news at Radio New Zealand. We'll do that right now. And of course, the big story there is the Al Shifa hospital siege. They're calling it a siege. The World Health Organization loses contact with Hamas. They say militants. I say terrorists. Uh, that they've been killed. Israeli soldiers killed several Hamas terrorists. Grant adds that not militants. They're not militants. They are terrorists. And you know, we have seen their... The result of their terrorism uh, back on October the 7th There was a, a ceasefire Everybody's calling for a ceasefire We had one on the 6th of October And then on the 7th the uh, Muslim terrorists broke it So there's a raid at the, um, the Al-Shifa hospital on Wednesday So obviously, obviously The fact that they're actually fighting There's people firing back at one another at the hospital Tells you what? It tells you that there are terrorists inside the hospital So all along Israel has said this uh, that they are that they they are using hospitals they're using um, um, kindergartens schools that sort of thing. these are the terrorists they 've embedded themselves almost honeycombed themselves in these facilities and um, so and and the Geneva Convention says that if that is the case, then Israel has the right to fire back, because they're actually firing their rockets and missiles from these basic places, like hospitals, into Israel, and they're still continuing to do that, and so they've got to be stopped, because you've got to, you're have got you under attack. So who started this jolly thing in the first place? Well, that's right, the Islamic terrorists started it. Um, we've also got a mosque here in New Zealand, some people, the Islamic Federation of New Zealand, they're all upset because there's an Israeli spyware, they call it, will We'll cover that as we um, as we move down uh, through the news today. Okay, so we've got the big explosions. This is uh, still with Radio New Zealand. Uh, Israel raids Gaza Al-Shifa Hospital. And uh, Dr. Munir Al-Bush, he's the Director General of the Gaza Health Ministry. Well, he's probably got to say what he has to say, or <laughs> well, he'll be dragged down the street by his ankles if he doesn't say what he's told. Um, he said Israeli forces had raided the western side of the medical complex. Yep. And uh, so that's that little story, and we'll we'll come back and have a look at them in more detail. Iceland prepares to shield geothermal plant from risk of volcanic eruption. Authorities said that they were preparing to construct a large dike. Oh, is that what a dike is? Oh, I didn't think that was a dike. I knew a dike. No, I don't, don't. Don't say that. Okay, I won't. I won't. Don't say that crap. All right. Okay. Uh, designed to divert the lava flow around the Svartingi geothermal power plant. Oh, okay. And then we've got world climate efforts, better, but still not good enough. According to the United Nations report, promises made by governments to cut emissions (laughs) have um, edged closer to the goal of keeping uh, heat inside 1.5 degrees Celsius, but will not get us there, a new report has found. Israeli forces inside the Al-Shifa hospital that's the um, the one in Gaza, offered to send in incubators. Oh, that was a few days ago. OK, so we're getting down to the end of that now. We'll come back with uh, News Hub and see what they've got on the boil. Should it be compulsory to be vaccinated in this country, and that is New Zealand? If you ask my personal opinion, yes, we should be. It should be. Did you hear, he, said just, he said, yes, we should be, didn't he? Just let's hear it again, just so you know. This is Winston Peters. It's almost 25 past five. Should it be compulsory to be vaccinated in this country? and that is New Zealand if you ask my personal opinion yes we should be it should be compulsory it saves lives massively
8: are you talking to your government partners about compulsory vaccination
1: well look that's for the Minister of Health and others to to to, uh, determine of course this conversation will go on and yeah, it was Winston Peters. Now, of course, he's the one that's um, he's the kingmaker with the new government there, and it's sort of uh, all sorts of shenanigans going on there. While he exerts his um, authority over the other parties, the National Party, I think uh, Luxon just wants to get on with the job. By the sounds of it, he's been very diplomatic, in my opinion. Um, the other one from ACT, he's not quite so diplomatic, but he's had to. He's got his tail between his legs as well. So they had a meet up yesterday, anyway. So we'll cover that as we. Um, as we proceed, so that was him. That was Winston Peters. Uh, that was back. He he said that back in 2021. I wonder if he still says the same. Hmm. Probably won't. Wouldn't do. He certainly wouldn't have. Wouldn't have done in the lead up to the election. But now he maybe he does. And if and he said they save like this is vaccines save lives massively. Well, I dispute that, and so does many doctors around the world, and here in New Zealand we've got two in particular, and that is Dr. Mark. And Dr. Samantha Bailey, you can find them on uh, Odyssey, Sam Bailey. B a i l e y. She's the co-author of an international book called Virus Mania. You can buy it for ten dollars on Kindle, and I advise you to read it because it'll shock you. It'll, it'll, you'll realise that there's no evidence that vaccines actually do work, but there's plenty of evidence that says that it makes that they are the drivers of chronic disease. And uh, so, yep, all the people that were back in 1918, all those people that were able to help that were affected by the so-called flu virus. Uh, I don't think they called it a virus back then but weren't affected by the flu were the ones that had never had a vaccine they were the ones and masks didn't work everyone's masked up because they've got this idea that germs come from outside floating around in the air when in actual fact they're just looking at diseased cells cells that are not at ease within the body and when people get run down malnourished, stress um, you know, been through a war, just come out of the First World War, they're going to be stressed and they're malnourished, and their, their, their bodies, the terrain in their bodies, the cells in there are not going to be very happy. And that's how people, and also they've been, they've had their immune systems weakened by previous. Vaccinations like smallpox and stuff like that. So the people, and even in polio, polio say, oh, we've got to have polio vaccines. Look, it saved lives massively. You can imagine Winston Peters. And you hear people talk about this, but in actual fact, there's no evidence that the polio vaccine helped at all. Uh, diseases come and go. And uh, there again, uh, people in Africa had um, polio, but they weren't affected by it. The only people that were affected badly by it were people that had been had in the expensive uh, countries, ones like New Zealand, Australia, Canada, the United States, all those leafy suburbs where they were able to afford to have vaccines, other types of vaccines, ones that came before the polio vaccine, that weakened their system and caused them so that when uh, they did get polio, um, then they uh, had t- terrible, you know, children maimed just absolutely terrible, but uh, probably caused by the vaccines themselves and earlier vaccines as well. So the whole vaccine range is designed by the, uh, I think it's just satanic, I think it's the mystery of iniquity. And, uh, you know, the Bible calls a uh, pharmakia, that's the Greek word for where we get the word pharmacy from, a pharmacist or a pharmacy, that is uh, pharmakia translated in the old King James Bible as Sorcery, And uh, when the Bible says something, it always comes true. We'll be back with more news in a minute. It's 28 past five.
8: It's clearly unjust what the IDF has been doing to the Palestinians because there's a vast disparity between the number of Palestinians being killed and the number of Israelis. I mean, I would certainly hope that Israel is killing more Hamas. This isn't a conflict. This isn't a conflict. This is one-sided ethnic cleansing.
4: Again. I'm just asking you, if based on the numbers, more Germans died than Brits in World War II, did that mean that British, the British were wrong in World War II? Because they did. Many more Germans died than Brits. Based I, on the numbers, does that mean that Britain was wrong
1: in World War II?
8: Britain wasn't bombing civilian... Civilian... Oh, yes, <sighs> There's a clear... You, you, should, you, should, talk to, you should talk to the people in story. Dresden, but There's you can't because they're dead.
1: They don't know history. That's Ben Shapiro. Good on you, Ben. Good you're a very clever man. Very clever. Very brilliant person. I wish I had your brains. But then you're an Ashkenazi Jew and you've got the highest IQ, haven't they? The highest IQ in the world. Why is that? Well, God's blessed them with it, that's why. And the Asians are as well, they're pretty intelligent. They're all from the sun, they're all sons of Shem actually. Shem was one of the sons of Noah, so they came off the ark. That's why, I don't know, for some reason, uh the Shemites, uh, there's only three kinds of people in the whole world actually after the flood. Uh, you've got the Japhethites, which is where I come from. We went north. That's why we're lighter skinned, because God knows we need vitamin D. And, of course, to get the vitamin D over generations, that our skin had to get lighter. Instead of being olive, it went lighter. It doesn't take that long. It's called microevolution, and not macroevolution. There's no evidence for that, but plenty of evidence for m- microevolution. I've seen it myself with breeding animals. And uh, so the skin went lighter so that's Japheth so we're all the descendants of Japheth then you've got Shem which is everybody in the Middle East uh, and as they travelled around the world all over the place you know 3,000 3, years ago they were travelling probably came here as well 3,000 years ago so they're well here, here well before Māori's but Māori's are Shemites they're, from, they're the sons of Shem so are all the islanders the sons of Shem um, all the Asians which is India and um, Pakistan uh, China Japan. all those are the sons of Shem and the back of their teeth is different from ours. We've got, I think we've got a shovel at the back, of the shape of our tooth at the back is a shovel shape, and the Shemites, they have a um, spade, as far as I know. And that was through my friend Bobby Moika'a, who was a Cook Islander, who actually, a very intelligent guy, his father's a lecturer at university, and he uh, was having a conversation back up in the Cooks with a Japanese anthropologist who told him that, that, uh, that Europeans and... Um, islanders have a different uh, shape of their tooth and it's all of the Shemites in actual fact the back of their teeth that's how they know he could look at a woman, um, the skeleton of a woman and tell, this is this Japanese anthropologist, anthropon is the Greek word for um, man, so he's a study of man anthropon, that's the Greek word we learnt that when we were studying Greek all those years ago, 23 years ago I studied Greek, every day we read the Greek yes we knew a little Greek In actual fact, our lecturer's wife was a lovely little Greek. Anyway, so this guy he studied, he could tell how many babies she'd had. Isn't that incredible? Just looking at a skeleton, this and of course, Japan, he's a Shemite as well. And then you've got Ham, that's the other son. So we've got Japheth, is the the one that went whiter because he went north. And then you've got uh, Shem, who was sort of stayed and wasn't quite so hot. And then you've got those black Africans, you're almost black, they're not really black, but they're pretty dark. They're the sons of Ham, and they were in the real, the hottest places. On earth, and so they need they couldn't have too much vitamin D because that's bad for you. So, God darkened their skin, didn't He? That's how He's designed the human body. So, wherever you are in the world is going to determine over thousands of years what your skin pigmentation is. And the Bible says we're all the same, we're of the same blood, but God determines the bounds of our habitation. That's what the Bible says. And you know, when the Bible says things, we've got to start sitting up and taking notice because it's all starting to come true. And right now, the Bible says that the Jews will be hated, the Israelis, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be hated through every every nation will hate them. We've got Christians now that are saying that those Jews that came back into the land in 1948, uh, even though they're secular, I mean, we know that if you read Ezekiel uh, 36, 37, uh, the Valley of the Dry Bones, where the th- those are prophecies of Israel, this giant army that came back to life again. But God breathed life in them later. He hasn't breathed life into Israel yet. They're still secular. They're still um, idolatrous. Um, big homosexual capital, isn't it, there in Tel Aviv? Massive. Um, But they haven't got the Spirit of God, and they're religious Jews, but they are still, God has not cast them away. He scattered them throughout the world, but he's drawn them back into the land. And people say, oh, you're a Zionist. Yes, I am, because Zion is mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible. Zion is the title of Jerusalem. And so to say that you're a Zionist, yes, I'm proud to be a Zionist. And it is basically just the uh, formation of um, the, the belief that Israel is the homeland for the Jews. But these people are saying these people aren't Jews, and yet they can claim the lineage back to the, the house of David, many of them. And so it's just a satanic line that's crept into Christian churches, and then they start to say, oh, you're a dispensationalist, oh. but you know what are they? Well, they're secessionists, which is um, a Roman Catholic doctrine of replacement theology. They, they are pretending that this is what the Catholic Church teach, that when the, the, the word Israel, that God has done away with Israel. They've crucified Christ, and they've done away with it. They've finished, they scattered them, and that's the end of it. But that's not the end of it. But that's what they say. And so to make those those verses, which says God will gather you from the four corners of the earth and bring you back into the land which He you promised your fathers, they use a doctrine called replacement theology, where the Catholic Church teach that uh, when the word Israel is mentioned in the Old Testament, it means the Roman Catholic Church. They don't tell you that bit, do they? But that's what they, that's what they believe. It's called replacement theology or cessation, I think it's called, something like that. Might not have pronounced it properly, but that that's a wicked a doctrine of devils. And so all you Christians out there that aren't supporting Israel, uh, they are God's chosen people, and their God will breathe his life into them soon. And there will be a remnant. Uh, there will be a, a remnant out of Israel. The 144,000 Jewish virgin men during the tribulation period will be from the 12 tribes of Israel. So, if they're not uh, the ones of the Bible, then where are these Jews? Where are they, where have they been hiding? Um, you know, that's what I'd like to know. And show me the Bible verses which says God has done away with Israel you have to spiritualize the Bible they have to turn they have to look at the words on the page and make them mean something that they're not it's if you just if you read it and I've been debating with a woman who, who's told me she was a Christian uh, and she's basically saying that's you know it's just a Zionist plot in the 1948 um, when the Jews came back into the land it's not a, a fulfillment of the prophecy we know that from studying eschatology, that it's a two-stage event, that the Jews will be called back into the land, but they won't have the Spirit of God breathed into them, and so, and then when Jesus does actually physically return to the Middle East, the Bible says that they look on Him, Jesus Christ, whom they have pierced. So obviously their forefathers pierced Him. So obviously a, they repent when they see Him. Coming and millions of Jews, sadly, and Christians too, will be killed during that tribulation period. The tribulation saints, but I believe there is a. If you read the um, the the New Testament and you look at Paul's writings, uh, his letter to both the cr- church at Corinth and also to the church at Thessalonica, First um, Corinthians f- uh, fifteen, it's it tells what's go- it tells you what's going to happen. Those words in First Corinthians fifteen are actually part of the lyrics to Handel's Messiah, so when you're singing that one, uh, it says that we shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, and then in First uh, First Thessalonians chapter 4, it details that the dead in Christ shall rise first. So when the Lord returns, okay, there's a first advent and a second advent, uh, so he's, he's returning for the Jews at the end of the uh, the tribulation period and for the Christians, possibly at the beginning, maybe in the middle, I don't know. But it certainly won't be at the very end because the Bible says the Lord returns with ten thousands of his saints. Well, where do they all come from? Tens of uh, tens, ten thousands of his saints. It says it like that, so it's obviously billions. But anyway, uh, it says there, if you just read it for yourself, just don't listen to what other people tell you, don't listen to me, go and read it, grab a King James Bible, it's the easiest English because it's one and two syllable Anglo-Saxon words, very simple, even though some of the sentence structure... Uh, It might not be what you're used to, and that's because it's got a built-in dictionary. And it sounds repetitive, but in actual fact what it's doing is it's teaching you what words mean uh, as you read through it. Very, very clever. Gail Ripplinger wrote a book called The... um uh, the built-in Dictionary, something like that. She's the one that did that um, New Age Bible Versions, Gail Rippling, a very clever uh, woman who who did that there. Uh, she got sick, ended up having to um, spend some time bedridden for quite a while, and she wrote this incredible book, New Age Bible Versions, where she compares the New Versions and the King James Bible, and she had found she put the words through the Flesh King Cade grade level indicator, which is what I use as a publisher for 24 years, uh, to, fight, to determine the difficulty of, a, of prose or a difficulty of a, a piece of writing um, that a journalist would give us, and we'd look at it and just see how difficult it was. The King James Bible comes up the easiest language to understand. It's the simplest words. Words like, for example, King James will say old. Uh, new versions will say elderly. That's three syllables. It's a more difficult word according to the flesch Kincaid grade level indicator. Another word will be home. Um, the NIV, the New International Version, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch, the publishing... Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hello. Um, so that one would say, um, instead of home, it would be dwelling. Those sorts of things. So, you know, when people say, oh, it's written in Old English. No, it's not. Because if you look at the very beginning of your King James Bible, the dedicatory to the prince, to the king, he, uh, it's, it's. there's no these or thou's in it, and so it's absolute nonsense to say that that's how people spoke. People speak now using thine and ye, which is just plural for you, thine, um, thou, those sorts of things. I mean, we say it all the time, how great thou art, don't we? So it's not sort of foreign to us, but they were using biblical language and, the, and so when Jesus said, ye are of your father the devil, he wasn't just speaking to one person, you. They differentiate. It's biblical, perfect language translated from the languages, whether it was Hebrew, Aramaic, um, Armenian. We don't really – we don't actually know that the, the the autographs, that's the originals, we don't know what language that they were um, actually uh, – scripted in. We don't know. We don't know that it was Greek, even though there's about 5,000 fragments of the New Testament that are in Greek. They're just copies. We don't know what the autographs are. Nobody knows. There's no evidential foundation for that. But everyone says, oh, the original Greek says, but yet no one's seen it. So how could they? How could they say the original Greek says when they've never seen it? And you, even if you, there was one, it's, it's not going to have what original written on it. You wouldn't know an original if you tripped over it. And if it really was the original, it would, you, there wouldn't be any, because if you if, uh, if a writing that is uncorrupted, um, a perfect word of God that will be copied over and over, because those would be the ones that people will be using, so they'd have to make copies. And so the, the only ones that are around at the moment is like Vaticanus and Sinaiticus and all these corrupted Alexandrian text types. Those... Uh, fragments, those witnesses to, say, the New Testament, they, they're in beautiful condition, <laughs> kept in the Vatican, and uh, you know they come from Alexandria, Egypt. So they're what we call an Alexandrian text type. And the other type of Bible, because there's really only two Bibles, one comes from Antioch, where Christian, Christians were first named, and that is the received text, the text that's been received. They call it Textus Receptus. And uh, so that is the one that's been handed down, copied over and over again. And the Bible tells us that God will preserve His words. He didn't say He'd preserve His manuscripts. He didn't say He'd preserve the language. Uh, he, in fact, you know, Greek is a dead language. He didn't say he'd preserve it. He said He'll preserve His words forever in Psalms 12:6 and 7. It's very interesting that when you look at most of the new versions, verse seven is completely changed. And it says, instead of saying that he'll preserve his words for eternity, it says God will preserve the people. Completely changes it. I wonder why. And the only place in the Bible where it has the word corrupt, where God warns us that many will will corrupt the word of God, in the new versions, most of them, it's changed and taken the word corrupt out and replaced it with pedal or, you know, tout. So in other words, sell. Uh, and so there's no, they're not the same. It's completely different. So that would mean that it would be really bad for the United Bible Society to go out and um, sell Bibles, you know, or you know, give them away, even because you're peddling the Word of God. And so you can see see how it's happened. The devil doesn't want us to know that men will try to corrupt the Bible. And uh, I mean, most of you realize. Uh, that are listening, that the New World Translation. I think I said New World Order the other day, but it's the New World Translation that's put out by the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, where they change the, uh, they take um, in fact, fact they got, they say they're against Roman Catholicism, but they got Jesuit priests which were involved in some of the, uh, on the editorial committee back in the late nineteen fifties. And it says in John one one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was a God. So they've put an indefinite article into Greek, and anyone that study Greek, which I, I as I have, we know that there is no such thing as an indefinite article. A definite article, for those who don't know, is the the tree. If you go into a forest. Uh, uh, and I said to you there is the tree it's a specific tree that's a definite article if I said if you go into the forest there's a tree it could be any tree that's an indefinite article there's no indefinite article in Greek it doesn't work that way otherwise it would be going A. John why don't they translate it like that then there was a man called A. John A. Jesus they don't do that so they put in A. God because they don't believe their doctrine is that Jesus is not God and Jesus said very clearly Except ye, meaning more than one, except you believe that I am he, which is what God said to Moses through the burning bush when he asked them, who sent you? He said, I am. I am who I am, Yahweh. He said, tell them I am sent you. And that's what Jesus said, he said, Except ye believe that I am he, the same words as Exodus three, ye shall you all of you all of you listening will die in your sins. So unless you believe that Jesus Christ is God Himself in human form, who came to earth as a man, who laid down his life, why did he come as a man? Because we committed sins in our body with our flesh and blood, and so he became flesh and blood for us, the image of God. Uh, That's who Jesus Christ is. So when those disciples were looking at him, they were looking at the image of God. He's the express image of Almighty God, and he wasn't handsome. We know that from reading Isaiah 53. And then he laid down his life to pay for the ransom because we've lost our kingship. We've fallen from grace when we sinned as adults. We've broken the laws, and when you would expect a judge to Be a righteous judge to not let you off. That you've when you break laws, you have to pay for your uh, when you break them. There has to be a penalty, and that's and so instead of you having to pay for that fine, that penalty, the wages of sin is death. Your creator, our creator, came to earth in human form as a man, and then he lived the perfect life because only a perfect offering could be could be offered a sacrifice for our sins. Had to be perfect, without spot or blemish. He never sinned, never looked at Mary Magdalene as to lust after her, never did anything wrong. He was perfect, and he did that for us, and then he laid down his life. He could have stopped them murdering him on that cross, but he didn't, because he was doing what needed to be done. He was paying the ransom to buy us back, so that we too could have eternal life with him for eternity because that's what he wants. And you know what he wants? He wants us to love him back for what he's done. There's no greater love than when a man lays down his life for a friend. It's quarter to six.
6: So somebody said, Nick used to be involved in counterterrorism. How would you describe what's going on in the Middle East right now? Well, in technical military terms, Hamas is engaged in effing around, and the IDF is about to make sure that they find out, which will inevitably cause the UN and a bunch of countries that aren't currently being attacked by Hamas to tell everyone to calm down. The problem is with terrorists, if the calming down takes place before the finding out takes place, they continue to eff around because there's no consequence for it. So what really needs to happen now is that the IDF needs to make sure that the terrorists in Hamas find out, and I mean find out in a way that will prevent them from ever effing around again, and that's a special kind of finding out that I really hope Israel makes good on.
4: That is correct. That is obviously correct. That's why all the calls for a ceasefire right now are not only idiotic, they're incredibly dangerous, and they support Hamas.
1: That's right. Ben Shapiro there with that little clip. Okay, we are over at News Hub. We're looking at the front page, and of course the big, we're in the middle of a war here, which is actually will affect us. In actual fact, it's... Um, not very not very good. We've got a lot of the Muslims here. How, goodness knows how many terrorists there are in our country. Who knows? But you can guarantee there will be. And also some other news with the Al-Noor mosques and the other one, the Linwood Mosque. Some interesting, there was a policeman there. He's now retired, I think. And he's giving evidence at the inquest. And uh, he said in a transcript, and I'll I'll cover that in a minute, but he said that Tarrant told him that He was one. There were 10 other shooters. And that's what has just been said today. And I don't know why this isn't being um, pinpointed. So we'll look at that in a bit more detail as well. So obviously, and this is what Countessman Media had been saying all along, that there were more than one shooter. So where are the other shooters? And why are we only finding out about it now? Not very good. Not very good. Okay, so the big news, <laughs> the big news at News Hub, you'll find them at newshub.co.nz is the Cricket cricket World Cup semi finals. Black Caps versus India at the Mumbai's uh, Wanka D. <laughs> That's an unfortunate name, Wanka D. Uh, stadium, and that is live at the moment. So I'll just quickly click in there and just let you, cricket buffs. Uh, know what's going on let's have a gander at that now it says here oh it says kiora and i say rosella rosella to you and ringitoto uh the um News hub's live coverage of the cricket i don't know is it over yet i don't know according to this uh no no it's still going we're doing all right now, india they have um they've they've scored 397 for four and the second innings, and New Zealand is currently now because they were on only about 157 when I looked at it earlier uh, 313 for seven. They need it, they need to get 398 uh, to beat them. And the batters at the moment, you've got San, uh, you've got yeah, Sandner, um, and you've got Southie, those are the two batters right now at the moment, just at the very moment there. And you've got the bowlers, Sh- uh, Si-ja, Siraj, Siraj. And Burmrah, those are the bowlers right at the moment. So that is the cricket there for you cricket buffs. It's like watching grass grow, if you ask me. OK, we're looking at election stuff now. Akuna Matata, according to the <laughs> Seymour, says substantive, uh, substantive disagreements between the potential coalition partners, but... The deal may be just days away, according to him. In the Middle East, they say that the Israeli uh, they raid the Gaza hospital and they urge Hamas to surrender. And uh, they've also got a story here from Paddy Gower. Paddy Gower has issues. The mini village letting Kiwis with dementia live normal lives. Just I don't know what's doing so high up on the front page. Uh, In court, we this guy says I couldn't do it. Murder convicted. He claims that he didn't want to kill Angela Blackmore. Uh, but it seems that he was forced to by someone else. And then election 23, still more with that, and caving into Winston's whims. Coalition talks become a circus. Uh, that's what they say. And then in foreign affairs, could they could easily veer into a conflict. Biden hopes to restore relations with China at the APEC meeting, which ends today. So it started on Sunday. As far as I know, it's the last day today. And uh, in farming, New Zealand AMP show celebrates 160 years. And also, back with elections here, a tiresome, as uh, the words of a former broadcaster. And uh, he says the length of coalition negotiation makes him embarrassed as a New Zealander. And uh, that is the front page there of News Hub. We'll be back with stuff in a moment and let you know what they've got, uh, got boiling up there. Here's Ben Shapiro again. When
2: I was a kid, my parents told me a story about two communists that were talking to one another. One said, let me ask you, if you had two houses, would you give me one? And the other said, of course, you're my fellow communists. Of course I give you one. If you had two cars, would you give me one? Yeah, why are you even asking? Of course I give you one. If you had two chickens, would you give me one? No. <laughs> why not? I have two chickens.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, it turns out that um, communism stops where your wallet
1: starts. Yes, that's right. Nine minutes to six and we're over at stuff right now. We're looking at the national news. Reports of a person washed out to sea at Pihar. A person is believed to have been washed into the water at the Blue Pool south of South Piha Beach, according to Surf Lifesaving. Defendant denies threatening man who fell to his death from the 12th floor apartment building in Auckland. Two men are accused of unlawfully entering Joseph Tahana's central Auckland apartment and causing him to climb over the balustrade, an act which uh, caused him to fall to his death and a body has been found in the water off Waiheke Island police were called to the Ostend just after, it's the Ostend area to just after 9am on Wednesday that was ages ago, why is this so old and police were called, yep and uh, that was about 9 o'clock yep, Wednesday, after a body had, was seen in the water, no updates on that Blackmore Killer testifies yes, against his alleged um, associates here Jeremy Power admits to killing Angela Blackmill Mill Blackmore, rather, 24 years after her death. Now he's given evidence against his alleged associates. I think, think they're saying that they, he made me do it, the devil made me do it. Um, all right, so and they've got more news. The popular stories for stuff at the moment is Black Caps versus India. Former New Zealand idol judge Paul Ellis turned himself into police. Oh, really? <laughs> Paul Ellis, I didn't know about that one. What's the story on that? Should we have a look at it? Ah. Oh. Oh, I wonder what for? Poor Ellis has been has handed himself into police after a warrant was issued for his arrest. Former New Zealand judge, we got that. A warrant was issued, yeah, we got that. But he failed to appear at the Blenheim District Court on Thursday on charge of driving while disqualified. That was yesterday. That was supposed to be back in August that happened. Police spokesman said the 60-year-old presented himself to police on Tuesday. Uh, police prosecutor Mark Harris told Stuff that Ellis pleaded guilty to driving while disqualified at the Blenheim District Court on Tuesday. And Judge Jerry Barkle convicted him, fined him $400 and banned him from driving for six months. Harry said Ellis had... Asked Judge Gary Barkle if he could be granted name suppression, but Judge Barkle said it's a bit late for that due to the media reports last week. Alice of Havelock. So that's down, yeah, Blenheim. So Havelock, not Havelock North, not to be confused with the Hawke's Bay Havelock. The one down in Havelock, oh, I've got fond memories of that place. Jumping on a my mate and I, we went to a Christian camp at Titterangi Bay, right at the top of the North uh, South Island. I'll just, sort of, just sort of divert into this for a minute, if you don't mind. And um, Havelock was where we got on this uh, launch. And it, oh, it took about five or six hours to get up to Titterangi Bay from Havelock. So I've got very fond memories. Then I've also got some other friends that had a very speedy 30-foot boat. I think a couple of big motors on the back. And boy, we had a lot of fun. There and they kept their boat at Havelock. Just a great place, really. That's from going from Picton across to Nelson. Havelock's on the way. And also, the great, oh, he wouldn't want me calling him the great, but um, Barry Smith, the evangelist, a marvelous fellow, school teacher he started out as. He wrote Warning and Second Warning and Final Notice, those wonderful books back in the 70s and 80s. Um, and he, of course, passed away, I think it would have been oh, around about 2000, was it 13? Somewhere around there. Um, and I think he was in the UK when that happened. So he he also was in the Rye Valley, which isn't too far. He had a place there, and they used to. He actually lost his son in a diving accident in the Marlborough Sounds as well. They were a very keen sporting family, fabulous family. And um, Barry was married to a woman called Hay uh, May, and she uh, was a I don't think she's New or Cook. I'm not sure, Rarotongan. Not sure, but um, where she was from. But a lovely family. Anyway, Alice of Havelock he <laughs> had a successful career in the music industry as a producer and a manager, and he worked with the likes of Michael Jackson, Cindy Lauper and Dave Dobbin. He was sorry, he, sorry, no no, he wasn't sorry. He was Sony Music's executive. <laughs> it's funny how I could add words that aren't there. He was living in New York at the time of the 9/11 and was a judge on the first two New Zealand Idol seasons before appearing as a judge on the, uh, New Zealand's Got Talent in 2008. Now he's before the judge. <laughs> Having spent part of his childhood in Picton, Ellis moved back to the region in 2020. Well, I can understand that. I've always wanted to live in Marlborough. I love it. Anyway, so he went back then and he organised the Linkwater Summer Sound Music Festival. And now he is a convicted uh, drunk driver, and he didn't get his name suppression. There we are. Paul Ellis turned himself into police. Uh, outrage uh, in the Cook Islands after rang a, a, a Rarotonga bar fight and stabbing incident. Should we look at that? That could be old news. I don't know if I'll look at that. No, oh, that was yesterday. Have a quick look at that. Over 5,000 people have signed a petition demanding rearrests of six tourists after a brutal bar fight. Ooh, lands two local nightclub employees in hospital with stab wounds in Rarotonga, Cook Islands. This is Cook Islands, Rarotonga. Uh, Cook Islands Police Service reported five men needed medical attention with two stab wounds following the fight on Wednesday, um, November the eighth last week. It was, and a group of six males between the ages of 18 and 27 were arrested the next day, and uh, the, in the early hours of Thursday morning, and are facing a range of of uh, assault charges. The group are visiting from Australia. The Aussies, eh? The Aussies. Uh, They were there for a wedding and they were granted bail on Friday afternoon last week and just hours before the ceremony. Uh, The release has sparked outrage in the Cook Islands community with thousands taking to social media to express their anger and disappointment. Uh, Yeah, because their locals were stabbed. What were they doing with knives? Taking knives to the bar on the... um, Online petition has launched over the weekend and it challenges the decision demanding the re-arrest of the six men. Uh, it amassed over 3,500 signatures in the first 24 hours. That's quite a lot for the Cooks. As of Wednesday, 5,140 people have signed the petition. This is just in the islands, in Cooks. Uh, online campaign was launched by Tiri Renui Kotika, who hopes the Ministry of Justice and Police Service Will hear the public outcry and reevaluate their decision to rescind the privileges, the privilege of bail and holding the individuals in remand until the conclusion of their trial. So it is a miscarriage of justice, that's what I think too. Yes, the six men released on bail, they claim to be remorseful for their actions, but you know, no, this is not good. No, chuck them back in jail. Um, so who have you got? Cooks Island. Clearly they've not learnt their lesson and they were laughing at the fact that they got away with it. Well, there you go. Definitely, Just for that alone, I'd go and haul them up, chuck them back in a Rarotongan jail. Where they belong. Oh, coming up to news, three minutes to. I got a bit sidetracked there with that one. I thought that was interesting. Oh, now what's happened now? It uh, looks like it wants me to save it. So those are the other things. Um, Southland locals band together to buy a small-town pub. Is that news? Oh, it's news, isn't it? There you go, mate. A couple of blokes out the front there having a beer. Uh, Director Craig Winslow and Richard Wards, they talk about buying the town's pub. They've talked about it for ages. It's called the Royal Hotel at Waikaka. Ah. Now, the only pub in your small town is closing. What do you do? Well, you go and you buy it, of course. So a group of six farmers and contractors, they banded together to buy the, the Royal Tavern on, in the tiny town of Waikaka in the eastern Southland area. Good on them. I mean, oh, yeah, oh, it's a good you know, pub place to meet, isn't it, eh? Yeah, I mean, churches today, gosh, they're just social clubs, aren't they? They don't really do much in Bible study, most of them. It's just a social club. These guys, look, they look a bit red and rosy around the cheeks. They look like they're like a tipple. That's our slang here for, um, you know, like having a few drinks. The glasses are quite small. Looks like a nice pub. There it is, there, the Waikaka Hotel. The Royal (laughs) Uh, Waikaka Hotel. Just a funny, wee story there. Okay, Um, so we've got news coming up uh, right now. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I'll be back with weather in just a moment. So we'll move across to TNT Radio News, and I'll see you in a moment. headbanger music, isn't it? It's Patrick Henningsen he likes this stuff. Oh gosh, I could have yapped for a bit longer, couldn't I? And so this trashy music. Sorry about that. Country music. Give me country music any day of the week. The
2: replay of this hour, go to episodes at tntradio.live Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News,
4: this is James O'Neill. President Biden is meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping in San Francisco today as the U.S. and China, two of the world's biggest economic powerhouses, struggle to defuse tensions. Biden's goals include resuming direct military-to-military lines of communications as a way to lower the temperature between Washington and Beijing. The sensitive issue of Taiwan is also on the table, as are the wars in Europe and the Middle East. The meeting on the sidelines of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit marks the first time Xi has come to the U.S. in six years. Biden and Shim last met one year ago in Indonesia, but have not spoken since. A passenger bus slid off a Himalayan highway, killing at least 37 people and injuring 18 others after rolling down a steep slope onto another road in an Indian-controlled Kashmir on Wednesday. The 42-seater bus was on the way to southern Jammu City from Kishtwar town when it veered off the road and fell down about 200 meters on an older road in the mountainous region. Residents and authorities rushed to the scene and a rescue operation was launched. Almost two in three Canadians have a negative impression of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and half want him to resign before the next election, a new survey suggests. While affordability, housing, and public debt are higher on the reasons people want Mr. Trudeau to go, one in five people surveyed said they want him to resign simply because they're just tired of him. The Leger poll for the Canadian press suggests widespread dissatisfaction with the Liberal government on everything from housing affordability and inflation to health care, government spending, and climate change. Oklahoma Republican Senator Mark Wayne Mullen offered to fight Teamsters Union President Sean O'Brien at a hearing Tuesday before the Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions.
9: tweeted at me one, two, three, four, five times, and let me read what the last one said. It said, Greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Sir, I wish you was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company myself. Quit the tough guy act and these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here.
0: Okay, that's fine.
9: Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, stop it. it. Is that your solution or your problem? (laughs) No, no. Sit down. Sit
0: down. You no. You're a United States senator. Okay.
4: The Israeli government has significantly increased expenses in order to fund the military and to compensate businesses near the border with Gaza, as well as the families of victims and hostages taken by Hamas. All of this has led to a record budget deficit, which last month ballooned to $6 billion a more than seven-fold increase compared to one year ago. Here with more is TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen.
7: Now, a lot of people aren't aware of the real cost of this conflict with Israel. They're going to the wall to the tune of $230 a month. This is what they're spending. But it's not just what they're spending. It's what they're losing. They're losing tourism income. They're losing trade. They're losing all these other sources of income that help their GDP. But not only that, they're being forced to go to the international money market to raise money, to push bonds around, to try to fill up the kitty that's really indefinite it right now. They're also having to raise bonds domestically. So you're going to see Israel's debt to GDP ratio really increase in the coming months. And it looks like they're going to be spending, well, you're talking about 75% increase in debt in November than October. And if this war keeps going the way Benjamin Netanyahu wants it to go, which he's saying? This is going to be a long war. It's going to take months, maybe years. Mm -hmm. Israel Mm -hmm. simply Mm -hmm. cannot afford that. Otherwise, they're going to end up getting Ukraine And then what? Is the U.S. going to be there to bail them out indefinitely? For TNT Radio, this is Patrick
1: Henningson. Thank you, Patrick. Okay, that's your opinion, and you're entitled to it, and that's what I like about TNT. You've got people that are, are um, they want, um, like Ben Shapiro and me and others, uh, they want uh, Israel to, win. well, they believe that they should be there, that that land belongs to them, and you've got plenty of people there, I think, like Steve uh, Hook, who's with TNT, Then you've also got other people, many of them, Uh, Sort of, um, we really have to say they're pretty much anti-Semitic. They don't like the Jews at all. They don't believe the Jews have a right to be in, like what they call Palestine, which is what the Bible refers to as Israel. And uh, yeah, and so they're against it. But what I like about TNT is they allow all voices, and so that is good. So we don't have to agree with one another, and uh, so that's good. You don't normally get that in a Uh, news organization and so that is the one great thing as as to why you should be listening to tnt radio news i'll be back in a minute with weather from weatherwatch.co.nz It's five past six
7: hey why not give tnt radio a follow we sure would love you to do that we're on all the social major social platforms including of course facebook twitter now x instagram gab and getter among others
1: help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's news talk TNT Radio. And that is Steve Hook. He's a fantastic guy. Alright, let's look at the extremes. Right now, we've got New Plymouth, 15.1 degrees. Oamaru 0 degrees right now. The windiest place, 52 kilometres per hour at Castle Point. It's picked up a little bit there. And it's dry in all centres. There's no rain whatsoever. So let's leave the Met Service there and leave the, where it sits and go across to our friend Duncan at weatherwatch.co.nz Broadly speaking, a northerly Quarter airflow lies over the country today and most are dry. Isn't that good? Rain for the west coast overnight is heavy as the front moves in from the Tasman Sea. The forecast for Northland, Auckland, Waikato, the Bay of Plenty, you've got a mix of sun and cloud, uh, west to northwesterly winds in a height of twenty to twenty one degrees. For the western North Island, including the central North Island, partly cloudy. You've got a shower or two for Kapiti and Taranaki. Northwesterly winds, 18 to 20 degrees today as your expected temperature. Eastern North Island, mostly sunny with some high cloud. You've got a mid-level cloud at times about Napier. Winds 10 northwest, east to northwest in the afternoon for Hawke's Bay and Gisborne. 21 to 24 it was very warm there yesterday. I think um, Gisborne was uh, 24. Yeah, it's going to be could be 24 again today. Down in Wellington or up in Wellington, wherever you are from in the country, or if you're overseas, Wellington is our capital city. It's found at the bottom of the South Island, a uh, North Island, <laughs> bottom of the North Island, and um, it is uh, called Wellington. Wallington and it's got you've got cloudy periods today, you Wellingtonians, and uh, you've got the odd spit or, or sharp, mainly in the north. Strong northwesterly winds for you, gusting to gale force through Cook Strait, and so it's going to be a nice wobbly ride through there all the way to Picton, heading south. That's the top of the South Island. You go in through the... Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, okay. And 17 to 19 degrees getting carried away, aren't I? Too much detail. Too much information, Grant. Oh, okay. Um, then we've got... Oh, I've got chooks coming up to see me, and they don't. they don't normally, so I can't have been giving them enough feed. It's good that they've come up, because there's one of them there. She just sits there, in a she's sitting there clucky, and, you know, it irritates me when you feed them and they don't give you an egg. And then the other day, I got one egg <laughs> I got just one egg out of three chooks, which is very frustrating because they still eat like pigs and um and i and I cracked the f- flipping egg didn't I on the way up so i didn 't get to I was sort of like nursing it in my hand <laughs> like it reminds me of Rowan Atkinson when he blew into his handkerchief and he was he was sort of um Balancing the the, um, snot, I suppose it was. (laughs) Oh, gosh, that was funny. Anyway, you would have seen it. Rowan Atkinson. Very funny man. Anyway, so we've gone from weather to Chooks to Rowan Atkinson, and now we're back to weather again. Marlborough and Nelson, mostly sunny today. Uh, There's going to be some high-level cloud. 23 degrees. There's your top and Canterbury. You've got an early cloud. It clears then mostly sunny. Northerlies inland. Winds tending easterly near the coast. That might bring the odd shower if you ask me. 19 to 22 degrees according to weatherwatch.co.nz for the west coast. Partly cloudy. Showers for Fiordland. Rain overnight for most and then heavy falls. Light winds tend northeasterly around midday. 14 to 18 degrees is your high. Heading all the way down to the bottom of the South Island, Southland and Otago. Uh, you've got a mix of sun and cloud, morning showers clear, coastal rain, rain overnight for Southland, north to northwesterly winds, northeasterlies for coastal Otago, 18 to 22 is your high. will be back in a minute with more news. Not sure where we're going, but let's just come along for the ride. It's uh, nine minutes past six.
7: Why did God create war? Why does God create murder? Why does God create all the the horrific things we see in the news, school shootings? Why would God create a mind that acts in that way?
9: Well, I think the the traditional theistic answer to that is the free will defense. It's not that God created those things, he created free agents, knowing that it was better to create free agents who had the ability to choose and therefore to choose to love him or not or love each other or not than it was to create puppets. But with that decision to create free moral agents, there was also the risk that people would use that freedom to exploit others.
4: How often does God get blamed by the people who claim not to believe in him for the evils that
6: they themselves are responsible for?
1: That's a good answer, isn't it? Ten past here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast with me, Grant Edwards, your host. Yes, that's that terrible street picture that got, nearly got arrested in Whangarei when he was up there. Nearly got arrested. Silly silly man. Obviously, you're not allowed to um, speak freely anymore, even though the Bill of Rights, <laughs> this Maori guy that was going to arrest me, tats all over him. Gosh, he had tats. I mean, you've seen the video, haven't you? I think if you go on, um, uh, I don't know, one of them. Can't can't remember where they were. There. They got quite a lot of views, actually. <laughs> I was a bit I was quite tough in those days. <laughs> I don't know why. I pulled no punches. I uh, didn't take any prisoners. But I think I'm a bit more gentle now. But still, I still preach the same. You, you know, homos can't go to heaven unless they repent. There you are. So I'm, I'm afraid you've got to repent. You've got to stop it. Stop it. Repentance doesn't mean to say you're just say sorry for it and carry on. It means you should stop what you're doing. And um, you know, if you're a drunkard, which was what I used to be, um, you've got to turn, turn, stop doing that, and stop getting drunk. You know, have a have a wee drink if you want to, but it doesn't say anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with having a wine or a beer or whatever you like, scotch. Uh, however, however, drunkenness is definitely a sin, and uh, the, nowhere in the Bible can I do I say that cat does it say rather. That um, having a drink is a sin Definitely not Why would Jesus turn water into wine If it was so terrible you would say oh no I can't do that and That's a demon drink But drunkenness is sure, certainly a sin And drunkards can't go to heaven So you, if you're a drunkard You're getting pissed every night And "piss" is a Bible word too For those of you that might be offended by that uh, you need to change, you need to stop what you're doing. And, you know, it's a bit like if you could just carry on doing something. Like if you're in the water, you know, and you want to be rescued by a Coast Guard, let's say, um, you in order for you to get out of the water, you've got to get out of the water to be saved from the water, don't you? You can't just stay in the water and be saved from it. And it's a bit like that, really. You can't just carry on willfully sinning against God, Um, Jesus came to save the sinners, didn't he? Save us from our sins. But, of course, if you're going to carry on just sinning every day, doing the same old stuff, I mean, you might... I mean, the Bible says we have an advocate. So you will trip up from time to time because we're not perfect. We're not like Jesus. So I don't believe in in sinless perfection. But I do believe that it's possible for us to get through the day without um, without sinning. So normally with me, it used to be that as soon as I was fine, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd never sin, never do anything. And then I put one foot out of bed and then of course, it was all downhill from then. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do. And then that's why we repent. That's why the Bible says we have an advocate. So if you really do something wrong, if you're a Christian out there, um, yeah, you've got to, you've got to, try not to. Why not? But of course it's not. we're not saved by not sinning. We're saved by faith. The The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Contra- and we're not saved by paying money in the Mass on the installment plan, as if we would insult God with money. No, the Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And you can find that in the New Testament. Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, a little group probably gathered in a house somewhere no big flash buildings no people running around with crosses on all the sort of nonsense worshipping Mary and relics and you know praying to angels and the dead and all that rubbish none of that no he just wrote there to the in Ephesians and found in chapter 2 of Ephesians and it's verses 8 and 9 for by grace are ye saved through faith it's just faith faith in the Lord Jesus Christ the Bible says neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under Heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved, and God's not willing that any of us should perish, He's long-suffering, He wants us all to come to repentance, and that's why He's waiting so long, that's why it's taking so long, and people are saying, "Oh, have you promised that Jesus is coming you know people have been saying that for years. Well, that's what it says in the second epistle of Peter. I think. So either first, the first or second, I get confused, it's chapter 3 anyway, if you read down through that, it tells you that God's going to, destroy, he's reserved the earth for fire, so when he finally does destroy the earth, which can't happen for at least a thousand and seven years, we've got the seven year tribulation period, that has to come first, and then we've got a one thousand millennial reign on earth that has to be finished and at the end of that the bible tells us that the devil will be released from the chains because there'll be no sin in the world while he's released he'll be released and the false prophet and all of them and then there'll be the great white throne judgment so anyone that dies now and all those people that have died that don't know Jesus Christ as their Saviour, that have never repented and never called upon his name and asked them to save them. For the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ, shall be saved. And so that's what we have to do. Uh, but those people that haven't, that they've gone, that's the unpardonable sin, really, because you've just uh, turned your nose up. Everyone has an opportunity to be saved, and those that don't, I believe God is just God. Those that have never heard the gospel will have a chance to hear the gospel, just as those that passed away before uh, Jesus came to earth uh, he went back down into the Bible says he went down into the depths of the ground when he when he died. He actually went down and he preached to them and the Bible says that when he rose from the dead, a multitude of people came up with him, and they were seen in and around around the area by about five hundred people saw Jesus alive, and they were there for forty days before Jesus ascended on the cloud, which is the way we 're going to go up. The Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be changed. I don't know what's going to happen. Our blood's removed. Don't know. We're going to become immortal, according to 1 Corinthians 15. And 1 uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us we'll be caught up together with all those people that have been raised up from the dead. They're just basically, it's almost like they're just sleeping, sleeping in Jesus. There's terms like that. But they are actually dead. Their bodies are dead. And they get raised from the dead. The Spirit of God is put into them. And, uh, the, and then we get caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we're not going to meet him in Jerusalem where he's coming back. We come back with him. The Bible says the Lord returns with ten thousands of his saints. It says he's returning in flaming fire with his mighty angels, taking vengeance on all those that know not God and obey not the gospel. And what is the gospel? Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again three days later according to Scripture. And if you believe that, and you put your trust in those words written on, that, on the pages of your old King James Bible, the Bible says you'll be saved. If you call out to him and say, oh, please forgive me, Lord. It's a heart thing, really, isn't it? Because even if I took you to the foot of the cross 2,000 years ago, and I said, that man up there, he's dying for your sins and mine right now. That bloodied mess. The Bible said he was marred more than any man. And when the Bible says something, it's always truthful. Thy word is truth, John seventeen seventeen. We won't make a liar out of God. Everything that happens in the Bible, uh, most of it, most of prophecies already happened. There's like a very small percentage of prophecy that has to happen. I believe the next prophetic event on God's calendar, one of, the, one of the greatest ones was in 1948, when he gathered the Jews, even though they were unbelieving Jews, most of them, secular Jews, The Bible tells us this in Exodus, um, in um, Ezekiel 36 and 37, that they're basically, they have no spirit within them. They're just, they're Jews, they're his people. They are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, many from the house of David, and they've been gathered back into the land which he promised them. It's an everlasting covenant. And when God says something, he means it. He doesn't go back on his word. And just because he scattered them, he scattered them once before, many times before they went into captivity in Babylon, Captivity in Egypt, but he 's never he never stopped loving them, even though they are naughty, <laughs> just like naughty children and so don 't beat yourself up if your kids go off the rails if you 've done your best, God raised um, disobedient children as well, the children of Israel, and they 're still disobedient, the majority of them, but they will come to a knowledge of him when God breathed his spirit into them, and they look upon him who they pierced, not them personally, but those ones that um, the, the 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 religious leaders, and it's not just religious leaders. Uh, it's the uh, the Jews um, on the whole rejected Jesus Christ, and the only Messianic Jews really were people like um, the Apostle Paul, who came later, saw Jesus after he'd died, and, and actually even went back to heaven, he appeared on the road to Damascus. Paul, is the, the the apostle, the last apostle to the Gentiles, but all of those people, um, Paul, Mary um james all of them were messianic jews they believe that jesus christ the gentile god that a lot of jews think he is but he's not he's a he's a jew he's a messianic jew and uh and he died for them but they rejected him wholesale rejection except for a few and um then now we're in the dispensation a dispensation is a bible word and um uh, and so is Zion. <laughs> a lot of people say, oh, you're a Zionist. Yes, I believe that um, that the Israel is the homeland for the Jews. Where else are they going to go? And uh, it goes back three and a half thousand years. Of course, of course I do. Of course, I, I believe the words on the page of my book. I don't spiritualize them and pretend they mean something they don't. And I don't listen to unsaved people. I don't listen to atheists, what they tell me the Bible says. So many people quote the Bible to me and they don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe it is. I believe every word in my King James Bible was, is from the mouth of God, that God can translate. And God says he'll preserve his words. I believe in the preservation of the Scriptures because he says in Psalms 12:6 and 7 that, that God will preserve his words forever. Jesus said in Matthew 24:35, uh, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, plural, shall not pass away. It didn't say my word, it says my words. And it says man shall not live by bread alone, in Luke 4, 4. Also in the Old Testament, can't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. In another verse it says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Father. And we know that God can translate because the Bible tells us Christians that God's going to translate us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Imagine how hard that would be. People that have died at sea, all eaten up by fish, uh, they'd just be well, there wouldn't be much left, but God's going to revive their bodies. He's going to bring people out of the grave, He's going to put sinew on sinew. Their bodies are going to be resurrected. I don't know what they'll be like. Maybe we'll all be thirty three year- old men which is the age that Jesus was when he re- um, returned. The Bible says that when we see Jesus, we will know him because we will be like unto him, we'll be like him. We will have uh, immortal bodies. And um, so those of you that have lost your teeth when you were young and didn't look after them, probably because you took too much penicillin and all the other rubbish, penicillin and antibiotics and all that, that rots your teeth. Uh, tetracycline, terrible. Th- gosh, they were giving it to kids. The kid, Their teeth turned black. But you'll have you'll have new teeth. If you've lost an arm, you'll have you'll have all your limbs, or well, possibly anyway. But we know this, that Jesus showed Thomas his hands and his feet where they were scarred and his side. And what did Thomas say? This is what you tell the Jehovah's Witness and the um seven some of them Seventh-day Adventists and the the Mormons, the people that say that Jesus is not God. Um, Thomas said, the doubting Thomas, he said, I don't believe it until I see those scars i saw him die i saw him being crucified on the cross he's dead i don't believe that he's risen from the dead until i see it with my own eyes i won't believe it and jesus said here look put your hand in my my wounds and um thomas said my lord and my god he called him lord and god jesus that's what he called him So he's not a God, according to the Jehovah's Witness, who's put in a lot of good work. (laughs) But I'm sorry, the Bible-believing Christians, the King James-only people are right. Sorry about that. Okay, so you don't want to end up in hell, do you? That's God's rubbish dump. And the way to avoid it is to change your mind about what you think, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, For God so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his only begotten Son, that's Jesus That whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, shall not perish, where's where's he going to perish? In hell, but have everlasting life with God in heaven for eternity. And he's going to rule over this earth for a thousand years. It's going to be a theocracy. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's not going to be a um, a democracy uh, at all. There'll be no homosexuals, there'll be no drunkards, uh, there'll be no sin in the world for a thousand years. And uh, what I was about to say That all those people that have died not knowing That have never repented And called out to the Lord Jesus Christ And said, oh Lord, please forgive me For the rotten life I've lived Please forgive me, please save me The Bible says he's faithful and just To forgive us of our sins And not only that He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness So you'll be washed as white as snow The Bible says he'll remember your sins no more And I was going to say something else, but now I can't remember what I was going to say. Yes. Oh, well, never mind. It's uh, almost 25 minutes past, 24 to be exact. And uh, in a moment, I'll come back and we'll have a look at Australian news and see what they've got on the boil. Here's Jordan Peterson. Do not punish behavior
9: you wish to see repeated. And husbands do this to their wives a lot, too, especially if they're the jealous type. So imagine you have a wife that maybe you, uh, you got lucky and you you attracted someone who's a little bit above your caliber, or at least that's what you think. And maybe you're right too, you know? And so she's attractive and you're happy about that in some ways, but what about those other men? You know? And so you go out one night and she dresses up and she looks pretty damn sharp. And you're a little unhappy about that because, you know, what about those other men? And so she asks you how she looks and You take that opportunity to punish her for her beauty. You do that a hundred times. You watch what happens. You think, God, you've let yourself go. It's like, no, I pretty much shaped myself into what you allowed.
1: Absolutely brilliant. He's a very clever man, isn't he, is Jordan Peterson. Okay, we're over at uh, skynews.com.au and the big story is all these Palestinian flags being waved around there. Uh, Credlin backs calls for national cabinet meeting amid anti-Semitism. Sky News host Petra Credlin, I think that's how you pronounce her name, she has backed opposition leader Petra Dutton's call for an urgent national cabinet meeting to deal with the Jewish race hate, which is now... uh, teetering on the brink of civil unrest. Goodness gracious, also in Australia, 70-year-old music legend shows off tones. Uh, She's got these toned abs, and this is Aria's red carpet walk. She She looks uh, there. All right. The Aussie music industry's Night of Nights has kicked off in Sydney with two major stars. They've skipped the ARIA's ceremony despite winning top awards. And UN officials uh, who compared Israel to Nazi, or rather I should say a singular, an official, United Nations official who compared Israel to Nazi Germany, clashes with Sky Host. And uh, that is interesting. United Nations official accused of having a documented history of extreme bias against Israel, like the United Nations have, <laughs> has engaged uh, in a fiery clash with Sky News Australia's Peter Stenafagelik Oh, gosh Stefan uh, Stenafagelik Stenaf- Stenaf- Oh, I'm awfully sorry, I had really a bit of trouble had a little, uh, Brain went wrong there Also, a Home Affairs Department in turmoil as Cyber Security Coordinator recalled to Defence and a difficult, a difficult couple of months has only worsened for the Home Affairs Department, with uh, Air Marshal Darren Darren Goldie recalled to Defence days before uh, the government's cybersecurity strategy is released. And uh, I gave you a fair go. Bridget McKenzie clashes with Andrew Charlton. Nationals Senator Bridget McKenzie and Labor MP Andrew Charlton have clashed over the High Court decision to release 80 asylum seekers from indefinite detention hot property Erin Patterson's Melbourne that's the, the one that poisoned people uh, apparently she's accused of poisoning, poisoning her uh, mother and father-in-law and someone else as well can't remember relations at a meal where she gave them some t- mushrooms she's saying she's innocent she is the um, triple murder accused Erin Patterson has successfully uh, offloaded an investment property in Melbourne's leafy suburbs just days before the home was expected to fetch six figures At Auckland, okay, so it was sold pre auction, and uh, so there you've got uh, their story keeps changing. Dutton unleashes on the Labour confused High Court response. Peter Dutton has revealed that the government has not briefed him on its looming legislative response to the uh, release of more than okay, yeah, it goes on and on. We heard that before 80 asylum seekers. And Minister of Health reveals how urgent care clinics have been benefiting Australians. Health Minister Mark Butler explained during the questioning time on Wednesday how the 38 urgent care clinics in Australia have benefited people right across the country. And a popular broadcaster declares he'll tear up Portsea Golf Club membership if Dan Andrews joins. <laughs> a well-known broadcaster and journalist has sensationally declared he will tear up his Portsea. Uh, or, or Portsea, it might be rather. Probably Portsea Golf Club, probably right on the port. That's what they've called it, probably right by the water. His membership card for a member of the Victorian. If This is if Dan Andrews, Victorian premier. What a mongrel he was. Gosh, he was like Hitler. Worse, worse than Blumen Hitler. Uh, given the opportunity, I think he would have been too. Uh, if he's allowed to join. So I don't know, how would you stop someone joining? David Peacock calls for a national ban on engineering stone. Really? On engineering stone ahead of a haunting uh, anniversary. Independent Senator David Peacock has called for Workplace Relations Minister Tony Burke to ban engineering stone. Don't understand what that means. Engineered stone. Oh, okay. Not engineering. Engineered stone, is it? Yeah, no, yeah it is. Engineered stone. Oh, my apologies. Um, this is before Australia marks its 20th anniversary of the historic asbestos ban. Oh, I see. Okay, got it. He's a bit slow. We'll have a look at um, the Jerusalem Post in just a moment. We'll be back, back in a moment, half past six.
6: Now, something crucial for your life and your calling. In the book of Habakkuk, the prophet speaks of taking up his post on the walls as the watchman.
1: This is Jonathan Cahn, too, by the way.
6: As I read at the beginning.
1: He, apparently, he's a rabbi. He says, I will stay. A- and a- and he, he believes, uh, and he's, he'd be a Zionist as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and he's, I think he's a dispensational, I don't know, I don't know, he's, he's one of the good guys in my book.
6: And my watch, I will station myself on the rampart, or in the New American Standard says, I will stand my guard post, station myself on the
1: watchtower. Oh, he's not so good now, he's talking about all these corrupt Bible versions, but never mind, we, you know, take, we'll eat the meat and we'll spit out the bones, we don't just discount everything everybody says, I disagree with people, but some things I agree with them on. So let's go back to Jonathan Carnam. sorry to interrupt.
6: I'll keep watch and I will see what he will say to me. The Lord answered me and said, write down the vision. Here the watchman's post is linked to a special hearing from God, receiving prophetic revelation from God, a vision, a word. So in the spiritual realm, the watchman's post is the place where you go alone with God. You leave everything behind, you get above everything else in the problem, and you sit You. St- Stay there with God to receive from God. God will speak to you, will lead you, will renew you, will refresh you when you get into the presence with God. It is crucial. Even, you know, crucial especially in these days. These are days all the more we all have to be with God. Every day go to your watchman's post. High above everything. Stand in his presence. Sit in his presence. Wait on the Lord intercede on between heaven and earth intercede between heaven and earth it's crucial that you have your watchman's post and you go there every day be filled be refreshed be renewed be enlightened god may share something with you but he'll strengthen you he'll anoint you in his presence that's where the power is hi i'm jonathan Kahn, and i hope you were blessed with the video make sure you hit the subscribe button and tap the bell icon so you're notified every time a new video is posted feel free to share your
1: reactions with your comments and how you were blessed and share this video with your friends thanks for watching and I'll see you next time and thanks for listening to that is Jonathan Kahn Rabbi Jonathan Kahn I think he is anyway he's a Jewish and he's a Christian Bible believing born again Christian all the, all the things that everybody hates <laughs> they hate the Jews and they hate the born again Christians I remember listening to a Jew once a lady a young woman she was in a church meeting she's giving her testimony about how she was Jewish how she believed that when uh, her parents taught her that that Jesus, you don't go believing in him, he's a Gentile God, and she had no idea that Jesus was actually a Jew until she stayed with some Christians' place. And that's right, her parents said, never get involved with Christians, uh, especially those born-again types. (laughs) Of course, she said, that's the only kind of Christian there is because all the others are just professed Christians, they're not real Christians because they don't have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. And that's what the Bible promises us. He'll give us a deposit um, by way of the Holy Spirit and then when the Lord returns, our bodies will change, and we'll become, the Bible says, we'll, we'll, we'll know Jesus because we'll be like him. Um, I'm not sure we're not going to be gods, but uh, we'll be like him. The Bible says we'll be kings and priests, which is why um, we had uh, C.S. Lewis in The Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. You notice at the very end there, when all of a sudden it lightened up uh, in, in Narnia, and they were riding through the forest, weren't they? That was the children, and they, they were in royal clothing. And that was um, just a picture of um, really what it will be like for the believers. We'll be kings and priests that will rule over the earth uh, with the Lord, the Bible tells us. And um, I don't know who's going to be on the throne in Jerusalem. I'm not sure whether it's going to be King David resurrected, whether he will rule, or whether it will be Jesus himself. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, that is uh, up for debate. But I shouldn't certainly wouldn't fall out with anyone over it, because... Yeah, I just don't know. It's a bit like, really, um, I I have trouble with atheists because, you know, atheos, a meaning no, non, anti, no, God, theos is God, atheos. How could you possibly know there is no God? (laughs) It's a really ridiculous uh, position, actually. I found, though, that most people that claim to be atheists aren't, in fact, atheists. They're actually agnostic. They just don't know. Uh, and I have a lot of, well, I have I've I kind of quite like people like that. They're open. They're not sure. They're not sure. Maybe there's a God, maybe there's not. They're open. Uh, some of them aren't, of course. Some of them are just ignorant atheists, you know, that, that say that they aren't. And some of them I've met, some people I've met, they, they say, even if you could prove to me that the Bible was true, I won't, I don't want it to, I reject it because... Uh, it's just not what I want to believe. <laughs> so, you know, they are very sincere about it. They just, some people, you know, you can just show them. You could show them Daniel 70 weeks, which is the supernatural element of the Bible. We touched on that yesterday just before, uh, I think, when was that? Just before the news, I think it's 7, yesterday, the the elements of a divine revelation. And one of them is um, uh, the inerrancy, of course. But no, the one I was talking about was the supernatural element where, the Bible has to have something in it that you could prove outside of the Bible actually did happen a prophecy and there is one there daniel chapter nine it's the only one that's provable outside of the Bible because all the others like psalms twenty two hosea um, isaiah fifty three all those ones that are prophesying the the coming of Jesus uh, you know we know that Isaiah was around about seven hundred years before Christ walked uh, rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey we know that um, Psalms was written by King David around about a thousand years before Jesus Christ came where it says that uh, actually details they'll cast lots for my vesture they, um, they divided my garments amongst them and it says that they pierced my hands and my feet we know that King David didn't die of crucifixion and um, so that gives the details about what Jesus was th- seeing and feeling on the cross David just sort of started writing in the spirit if you will um, and he was writing what Jesus was seeing a thousand years before he came. But we can't prove that that wasn't written after the fact. There's, we cannot do that. But we can with Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, it's known as Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy, where Daniel was told uh, while he was praying, uh, an angel came to him and told him from heaven, probably probably an archangel. I would assume that it's probably the same one that came and told Mary that she's with child, uh, Gabriel. Gabriel. And uh, he said, 70 weeks for thy people, Daniel. Daniel was a Jew. So you would imagine that uh, it would be to him. He says, 70 weeks, and after 69 weeks, doesn't say it like this, I'm paraphrasing. um, It says, after 69 weeks, Messiah the Prince shall come, and he shall be cut off. And a man, I believe God raised up a man called Sir Robert Anderson in the late 1800s. He was the assistant commissioner of Scotland Yard, he was head of the CID. And he was a Christian. He was actually an Irish Irishman. I think he was born in Dublin. And he became a Christian at 19. And he wrote many books, but one of them was uh, The Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson. And it's available freely online. Uh, you can read that. Uh, it's in PDF format. Just t- search it up. The Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson. And it details Daniel's 70-week prophecy. And he calculates that those weeks... Uh, a week is, in fact, God put it in code so that it couldn't be sort of counterfeited, and so that so some some imposter couldn't you know ride in um, you know sixty nine weeks after a commandment was given to build Jerusalem. That's what it says, and just uh, and, an imposter and just pretend to be the Messiah. But no, it was um, Daniel. Um, um, Sir Robert Anderson believed that it was weeks of years, and Daniel being a Jew, it says, for thy people, 70 weeks for thy people. Uh, Anderson, he his um, hypothesis is, was that each one of those weeks was, in fact, a week of years, and because Daniel was a Jew, it would be been cal- Jewish calendar, which is a lunar year, and a, a lunar year or a Jewish calendar year has 360 days in it. So he calculated that, well, maybe those 70 weeks are actually... Uh, weeks of years, which would be 490 years in total if it was each um, week was um, years, and so um, it said after 69 weeks. So he calculated that there would be 483 years or 183,880 days from when Longgeminus, the Persian prince, and you can prove this outside of the Bible because he did give a commandment to build Jerusalem, and from that date, uh, Anderson. His uh, theory was that from that date was exactly 183,880 days from from when Jesus Christ rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, claiming to be the king of the Jews. And they all were, those same people that actually were yelling crucify him, crucify him, were the ones saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David just as the Bible said that they would worship him. And he came in on a donkey, which is what Solomon came in on. When a king comes in peace, he comes on a donkey. When he comes for war, he comes on a horse. But it was exactly a um, 483 years to the day, and, and Anderson, he had his work verified, his calculations verified, that it was that that day that he rode in was Palm Sunday, Uh, that it was exactly that. He used the royal astronomer who I believe was a non-Christian, a non-believer. I don't know whether he was a druid or (laughs) what he was. Some English guy. The royal astronomer, they call them. Fairly important. Did I say astronomer? Uh, Yes, the royal astronomer. And he um, verified his work, that it was accurate to the day. This work is irrefutable. That when that commandment went forth by Long Geminis, the Persian prince, there, you can see it there if you get the book, it's available online. Sir Robert Anderson is the author. It's called The Coming Prince. And so when that commandment went forth, uh, verified outside of the Bible, it was exactly 69 weeks of Jewish calendar years, 483 years to the day. 183,880, I think 183, I can't quite remember, somewhere up there, quite a few days, but to the very day when Jesus wrote in, just it was prophesied, only God could know that. A 500-year from from event, no man could know that. And so to me, that is the supernatural element of the Bible, provable outside of the book, and that's why I believe that it is what it claims to be. And that's why I believe the King James Bible is God's preserved words for mankind today not just in English but for mankind today I believe if God put it in English he only needs to do it once when Jesus died on the cross he only needed to do it once doesn't do it over and over and over like the Catholics do in the mass keep sacrificing Jesus over and over that's not Christianity folks that's ancient Babylonian goddess worship that's pagan worship that's what they used to do they used to sacrifice their gods eat their gods Little wafer, wafer god, there basically, Roman Catholicism is paganism and it's just been blended. Constantine uh, blended the two together, and you can't have darkness and lightness, it's really just a counterfeit religion. It's the enemy of the Lord's people, it's responsible for hundreds of millions of deaths of not only Jews but also Christians because of their replacement theology, which many Christians today are actually espousing. It's a wicked, um, satanic doctrine of devils and there it is in fact all of the Roman Catholic teachings are doctrines of devils basically, it's just counterfeit devil's very clever and so he's counterfeited the true Christianity the egg, the Easter time, it wasn't Easter, that's a pagan ceremony it was the Passover the King James Bible gets it right, it says after Easter and we know that it's Easter and not the Passover because the days of unleavened bread come after the Passover and it said these are the days of the unleavened bread I think it's Acts 12, 3 and 4, and then it says after Easter he'll bring him forth, this was Herod, and uh, deal with him then. But his wife was a pagan, and so they worshipped uh, the pagan Babylonian goddess uh, Venus, which is uh, many names, Simaramus, um the goddess of fertility. And that's why they had eggs, and they'd give eggs to one to another. And that's symbolic of this of the snake wrapped around the egg, the goddess of fertility. The fertility is the egg is the fertile thing. And uh, they would paint their eggs. The pagans would, you know, not only the Babylonians, the all of them would. Even the Maoris get their religion from ancient Babylonian goddess worship. Uh, they would paint their eggs anyway, and they would um, send them one to, to another as gifts at that time of the year. Ishtate, ishta, that's where the word comes from. And it's basically just the uh, fertility worship. It is not the Passover. Even though the Greek word says pascha, doesn't mean to say that every Greek word is translated into the exact same word. Idiom dictates grammar. It cannot be Passover. That is a wrong word. And people, scholars, have tried to help God. But the right word, God got it right. The King James corrected the corrupt Greek uh, and even the good Greek was was uh, changed. Uh, either that, either that, or and I've spoken to many Greek people. They say, well, just because it says Pascha doesn't mean to say that it actually means Passover. Um, it it um, it could it could mean Easter, and they believe, and many do believe that it is Easter, and it has to be Easter because the days of unleavened bread come after. And the only way people can make that work is to say that um, the Passover and the days of unleavened bread are one ceremony. That's the only way they can make it work but it's not. The Passover is separate where they eat the Passover lamb and this is the Jews, symbolic of Jesus, the final sacrifice and uh, everyone that was safe inside in the home that had the blood of the lamb painted over the lintel and the doorposts, they were safe from the destroying angel. All those are safe inside and it's a bit like that for us. It's a picture of Jesus. All those that put their trust in the blood of the lamb, in other words, Jesus Christ is our offering once and for all and when he died on that cross, when his blood was shed, he died for us, and we put our trust in him. That's why he's called the captain of our salvation. That's why he's called the saviour. He's saving us. We can't save ourselves, but he can save us. And he came to earth, lived the perfect life, then he offered himself as a ransom. They murdered him, but he allowed them to, so that he could save us. Isn't that incredible? The creator of heaven and earth came to earth, in human form, and laid down his life for you and for me.
9: Don't say things you don't mean, and don't go along with things you don't agree with. I told my kids when they went to school, look, kids, follow the rules, but don't follow stupid rules. Who decides if they're stupid? Well, that's a hard question, because most of the time you should follow the rules. But now and then the rules get pathological, and And you have to stand up. He said, if you're going to stand up and break a rule, think about it. And you have to be willing to take the consequences. But there's consequences to not standing up to stupid rules too. And if you think that those consequences are lesser, then you suffer from the delusion that there's an easy
1: path through life. Yes, that is true. Okay, I'm going to take us over. Before we go overseas again, I want to have a look at at a story that was um, written in the Herald by Richard Preble. Richard Preble probably should be locked up anyway for selling our country out, selling all the the important assets that New Zealand had. They privatized uh, state-owned assets, turned them into state-owned corporations, and then they sold them off. And uh, that was really quite treasonous in actual fact. So, so he was actually working for the globalists, whether he knew it or not, I don't know. But he seems to have changed his tune quite a bit. Now, this is his opinion. He says that there are reasons to doubt the result of the 2023 election, the one we've just had at 14 to seven two, by the way. And I say this, this is Richard Preble, as having been a campaign organiser... Uh, or candidate in 14 general elections and also having a United Nations International uh, Election Observer. That's what he had been. Uh, Countries ensure that the only only qualified electors vote by requiring voters to register before the election, uh, giving their name, address and occupation. The electoral roll is published to enable public scrutiny. My team would take the electoral roll door to door and we would find discrepancies and occasional electoral fraud, we found 18 people falsely enrolled at one address. It is the publishing of the role that ensures the integrity of the election. In 2020, the Jacinda Ardern-led government enacted Election Day enrolment. Now on Election Day, with no proof of ID or address, anyone can sign a declaration, enrol and vote. In my view... Labor pushed through a change, believing that the disorganised are Labor supporters. It turns out that they are Greens and the Maori Party voters. It is impossible to check the eligibility of electors whose names and addresses are secret until after they have voted. There are over a quarter of a million adults in New Zealand who are not eligible to vote, visa holders, tourists, foreign students and overstayers among them. Only citizens and permanent residents may vote and, the, and uh, only to the electorate where they live. Despite having almost two weeks to vote, an extraordinarily extraordinary number of people go to the inconvenience of special voting in an electorate where they are not enrolled. The suspicion is that many have changed addresses, have not updated their enrollment, and are illegally voting in their old electorate. I know two electors who voted using their old address. Then there is electorate tourism. People who enrol and vote in electorate where they do not live. A former Green Party leader admitted she once enrolled using a Friends address so she could vote in Auckland Central. Many people have more than one address. They do not have a choice. They must only enrol and vote where they mainly live. Having represented two university electorates, I know electric tourism occurs. Election Day enrolment has made electric tourism uh, easy. Fear of electoral fraud is why electronic voting is not permitted, except for those voting from overseas. But if electronic voting is inherently unsafe, then there must be doubts over the electronic votes from overseas. It is likely national candidates in Nelson, Teatitu and Mount Albert who narrowly lost after special vote counts uh, won more valid votes it is likely that Penny Han- Hanari and Calvin Davis really won Tamaki Makarao, that's what they've said, I, it's not quotes, so I don't think he would have said that, Tamaki Makarao and Titai Tokarao, that's uh, Auckland and Northland isn't, it? I don't know I don't know, can't be bothered, there is Uh, No other country that lets people with no identification enroll and vote on Election Day. We are the only country where 20.9%, almost 21%, of the total votes cast are special votes. No one knows how many of the 603,257 special votes are fraudulent. The shift of a handful of votes could change the election result. The Green Party received one-third of their votes from specials, which boosted the number of Green MPs. The special votes decreased National's MP count by two. Special votes enabled the Māori Party to win two electorates. It is possible that if only valid ballots were counted, National and ACT together won the election. The three recounts are not a check. Recounts are just a check that the ballots have been counted correctly and do not check whether those ballots are legitimate. The district court judge in Nelson, in the re- Nelson recount recently, he said, I did not inspect the declarations of the 6,248 uh, 6, votes, which were counted. The judge said it was impractical. Gosh. The judge said that the, uh, that the careful way a few ballots were disallowed meant that, quote, there was no reason to believe that any of the counted special votes should have been disallowed, end quote. The 147 special votes disallowed in Nelson were disallowed for f- uh, form, which is m- as much as uh, failing to sign the declaration. There was no check on whether the 6,248 people who special voted were entitled to vote. It is vital that at least one electorate petition is filed with the High Court. It has to be done. The High Court can examine the validity of the ballots and consideration also needs to be given to the filing in a High Court petition to challenge the party vote. A party vote challenge would be a mammoth task. But what is at stake is not just the election, but all future elections. An electoral, electoral per, uh, petition will help determine whether the present special voting arrangements are worth the cost of having a caretaker government for a month or more. We need to know whether Election Day en- en- enrolment is empowering pa- uh, participation in democracy or whether Election Day enrolment is destroying the integrity of our elections. And that's Richard Preble. He is a former leader of the ACT Party party, and a former member of the Labour Party. And I think that is real food, f- food for thought. It's 25 Oh, and it's not. Gosh, it's seven minutes to seven. Oh, time flies, doesn't it? Here's Rowan Atkinson on free speech. It's my passionate belief that the second most
3: precious thing in life is the right to express yourself freely. The most precious thing in life, I think, is food in your mouth. And the third most precious is a roof over your head. So my concerns are less for myself and more for those more vulnerable because of their lower profile. Like the man arrested in Oxford... For calling a police horse gay, or the teenager arrested for calling the Church of Scientology
1: a cult, or the cafe owner arrested for displaying passages from the Bible on a TV screen. Okay, that's Roman Atkinson, isn't that great? I I love him. I, I well, not love him, you know, but I think he's great. Just fantastic. Um, got he owns a lot of cars, you know. I think he's got. I has got a handful of Aston Martins. <laughs> He's done so well. Let's go over to the jerusalempost.com now. Let's see. Let's hear it from the some of the Israelis and see what they've got to say. We've also got um, Israel National News as well. Uh, I find it very difficult to navigate their websites. And uh, we've got the Israeli Defense Force as well. And so we might just have a recap. I'll just do a quick refresh on that, and then I'll go back to the Jerusalem Post. Also, hopefully, we might not have time, but if I get, maybe maybe after 7, I'll just quickly come back and we'll see what Reuters say about what's going on with news. But firstly, the um, top stories with the Jerusalem Post. The latest one is: uh, the Israeli Defense Force enters the Shifa hospital as sun sets on day forty. Twelve hundred people murdered since October the seventh, including six hundred. Uh, sorry, uh, three hundred and sixty-eight soldiers. Two hundred and thirty-eight people have been held hostage by Hamas terrorists. Four hostages released, one rescued. Um, then the other heading there is over twenty rockets fired from Lebanon towards Israel. IDF strikes Hezbollah, and then Israel teen. ...ran operations room as Hamas came to kill her family. Oh, wow. we a teen, so she's obviously in the IDF. Isn't that terrible? And then five Hamas terrorists killed as the IDF battles into Shifa Hospital, which is proof that the terrorists are um, enc- in, uh, encasing themselves in hospitals and schools. Uh, so it's not, they're not, Israel is not just attacking a hospital for the sake of it. There are terrorists that are hold up up there. And they are firing their rockets and missiles at uh, Jerusalem and Isra- Israel, uh, not Jerusalem, uh, um, Tel Aviv and other parts of uh, southern Israel. Forty days of war in Gaza, the regional and global ramifications. There's an analysis there done by Seth uh, Frantzman. And then IDF unveils Hamas pit under, the, under headquarters. And then you've got Gaza resident criticizes Hamas on Al Jazeera. Uh, reporter turns out, oh, wow. Let's have a quick look at that. They'd probably be lucky if you're still alive after you criticize Hamas. Um, so let's, let's have a quick listen to that. I wonder if we can hear it. Uh, it might not be. It might be one of the computer voices. Let's have a look. See if they, I can hear it. Watch. Gaza no, that's no good. OK, since the outbreak of the war, we've got all that. They, and I'm glad they keep putting that up. But anyway, so one of the networks has re- received the most criticism from within Israel is the Qatar-based Al Jazeera network, which broadcast non-stop from Gaza Strip. In a short interview with a broadcast on Al Jazeera on Tuesday from the Al-Qasar hospital in Gaza, a Gazan resident publicly criticized Hamas why are the members of the organization hiding among the citizens? The man asked. Oh boy, let's. Oh, here he is. Here, uh, we might not be able to understand it, but let's have a listen. This is on it. Well, that was a bit quick, but there, there he is. He's criticizing Hamas, so I don't think he will have to too much time to live. Um, Upon hearing the man's statement, the Al Jazeera reporter of the network took the microphone from him and immediately changed the subject, presumably because the elderly wounded man dared to challenge the ruthless Hamas regime, which does not allow dissident uh, dissent, rather, against their rule. So that's what I've been saying all along, that any reports that are coming out of Gaza Uh, come from the terrorists, and and, uh, Al Jazeera, basically, that reporter knew that he was in big trouble allowing that guy to speak. He was criticizing Hamas, and um, so uh, that's what happened. You criticize Hamas, and you'll end up dead. Uh, That's why it's all propaganda coming out of there. You can't believe a word of it. It's Pallywood, uh, Palestinian Hollywood. And if you don't believe me that that exists, go over to Duck, Duck go or one of the others. I don't know if you've, they've got it on Gmail, maybe, possibly. Who knows? Um, but have a look. Just type in Pallywood, P A L L Y W O O D, like Hollywood, and you'll see the lies and the the, the uh, like movie movie crews of um, these people that are they're pretending that they're just wanting to make Israel look bad to the world, and so they're just basically produ- producing little short clips, of little movies. Of um, being fired upon by Israeli soldiers, they have Israeli—they have them dressed up as Israeli soldiers, beating women and you know with a stick or whatever or with a gun, and it's all just rubbish, you know. But it make but the world looks at it because they hate, you know, they've got this predisposition to hate the Jews anyway. They look at this rubbish and believe it, and so that's uh, that's the way it is there. Okay, so we're still at the Jerusalem Post, and uh, so I'll leave that there. I think um, it's all very. Probably doesn't interest a, a lot of us, although I think it's good to hear the other side. Let's go over to the actual IDF news site itself, and it looks as though the latest. I just re- did a refresh, but it looks as though the latest is yesterday. Mm. Um, let's do. Let's have a look at the recap there. This is the latest that I can find, um, and we'll have a look at that. So the daily recap: Israel War November. This is the overview. Today, the IDF spokesperson Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari took to the battlefield to show international reporters and the public uh, the unfortunate reality of terrorist-infested hospitals and underground terrorist tunnels in the Gaza. And uh, so, Hagari, accompanied by reporters, met with troops some distance outside the Rantisi Hospital, where a tunnel, operating an opening leading 20 metres underground, was found under the floorboards. Of a home, uh, the following footage, and he's got the footage there. I don't know whether it's in English. We'll have a look and see. If um, we got time, we might not have time actually. No, sorry, we've got news. I've missed the news. Here we go. Here's the news. Hospital in Gaza to ensure that supplies reach the civilians.
4: The Israeli military stated, "We can now confirm that incubators, baby food, and medical supplies provided by the IDF have successfully reached the hospital." The IDF said Israeli forces were conducting a precise and targeted operation against Hamas in the specified area of the hospital, emphasizing that the operation was not intended to harm civilians being used by Hamas as human shields. Slovakia's new government has told the Western NATO alliance it will no longer provide arms and munitions to Ukraine, according to a statement released by the Slovak Defense Ministry on November 14th. During a visit to Brussels one day earlier, Slovak Defense Minister Robert Kaliniak informed NATO Chief Jan Stoltenberg of Bratislava's decision to halt all supplies and military aid to Ukraine from Slovak stockpiles. It added, however, that Slovakia, a NATO member since 2004, would continue providing Kyiv with humanitarian, civilian and non-lethal assistance. The Georgia District Attorney, who charged former President Donald Trump over his efforts to overturn the state's 2020 election, said Tuesday she expects his trial will be underway through Election Day next year and can possibly stretch past the inauguration in 2025. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis made the comments in an event sponsored by The Washington Post. Her remarks came shortly after Willis asked a judge for an emergency protective order to prevent evidence in the case from being leaked. Just a day after News Outlet reported on prosecutor video interviews with four co-defendants who pleaded guilty in the case.
8: Consider an election cycle or an election season does not go in the calculus. What goes in the calculus is this is the law, these are the facts. And if the facts show you violated the law, then charges are brought. Um, I have heard that kind of what you're hinting at and going around. It it would be a really sad. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know either.
4: GOP candidate Vivek Ramaswamy said during an interview with Chris Cuomo on News Nation that Nikki Haley is masquerading as a grassroots candidate, but is really the establishment's choice in 2024. The grassroots
6: of this country know they want a leader who isn't going to send us our sons and daughters to go die in foreign wars that racked up $7 trillion in debt. Dick Cheney 2.0 yeah. has taken over the GOP. Problem is the Democratic establishment media is now rooting for war, too. I'm the only candidate speaking for a true America first agenda.
4: Finland could soon close border checkpoints with Russia for security reasons, citing concerns about illegal immigrants from third countries. Helsinki recently tightened border measures by banning people crossing by bicycle from Russia. Here with more is TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen.
7: So here you can see Russia is basically figuring out the EU game, the border game, the game of immigration. People are fleeing from places like Iraq, U.S. war zones, countries in collapse, Afghanistan, Uzbekistan. They're coming through the former Soviet republics, they're coming through Russia, and they're coming into Europe via the border with Finland. So now Finland is claiming this is a migrant crisis. We're not talking about a lot of people here. At the moment. We're talking about a few hundred in spurts, but apparently this is a crisis for Finland, an existential crisis. So much so, they're announcing this EU country, Finland's announcing it's going to shut its border with Russia. And so they're going to be banning Russians on bicycles coming across the russia finnish border. These are day-trippers on bikes. This has been going on for a long time, remember? They had good relations before until the Ukraine conflict when NATO strong-armed Finland into membership. And now they're basically the adversary of Russia. Who knew? For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Enningson.
3: The thing that struck me, you know, Piers, about seeing the 7th of October footage was that... um, Uh, even the nazis were actually ashamed of what they did you know ss battalions who spent their days shooting jews in the back of the head and pushing them into uh, into trenches had to get very very drunk in the evening to uh, uh forget what they had done uh the nazi high command famously had to sort of get around the problem of soldier morale because the soldiers knew this wasn't exactly what their lives were meant to look like either. I tell you one very big difference. If you look at the footage, the raw footage, and I really hope people don't on a wider scale have to view what I viewed the other day. um, If they see it, they will see something that is at least as barbaric as what the Nazis did. But here's the difference.
1: They did it with glee. They were deeply proud that's right five minutes past seven good morning if you've just joined us you've 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 got the tail end of my program but you can hear me on monday lord willing i might make it through the weekend who knows boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth you could be dead tomorrow who knows so the old rabbi he said um we should all repent before we die and uh the student said but rabbi we don't know when we're going to die he said well then repent today so if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, you need to do it today <laughs> before you kick the bucket, because you could be taken out, boy. Oh, there's so many people, so many stories that I've heard, people that I know myself, people that I've witnessed to, talked to about the Lord, and then they end up dying, and uh, and it's a pretty sad state of affairs, isn't it? Don't want to reject the, um, the creator of heaven and earth who came to earth in human form and laid down his life for us. Let's look at weather, shall we? Let's uh, let's do that. And first of all, we'll start off with the extremes. And Gisborne is the hottest place to be at the moment, almost 16 degrees with 15.7. O'Marrima warmed up a bit there. It's 1.8 degrees. It was got down to zero. But the coldest, um, I think I said this earlier, I did, I've said it many times, uh, in June... Uh, it, the O'Marima temperature was the coldest minus 9.7 was the coldest the windiest place right now it's dropped off a lot actually down to 30 kilometres per hour in Castle Point it got up to about 50 60 per hour which is still not that windy it's only about 25 knots or something and uh, 30 kilometres per hour, what's that? gosh, you can barely blow the skin off a rice pudding with that the wettest place at the moment it's not a lot of rain but it's got p- p- point four p- 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 point four millimetres of rain uh, falling in Timaru at the moment that's um, Tim and Rue. Now, let's look at that short forecast, and then uh, that'll be it for me until Monday, unfortunately. If you want to hear this program again, if you came in and you missed it, um, it's going to be repeated on any of the apps. It won't be on the videos, but it'll be on the apps from 5 o'clock today, and, uh, yeah, and also on the podcast. By 8 o'clock, it'll be out on all the podcasts except for iHeart. They're the only ones. I will have to write them a letter and give them a good tell- telling off. And uh, so, yeah, lots of people, uh, you know, they don't, don't bother listening. They just um, tune in when they wake up and uh, tune into the podcast and hear that. Right, let's look at that short forecast. For Northland, Auckland, Coromandel Peninsula, you've got mainly fine weather today. Cloud increasing this afternoon and evening, though. For Waikato to Taranaki, including the Bay of Plenty, Taupo and Taramanui, Tomorinui, you've got um, cloud, uh, cloudy periods with the odd shower. For Gisborne and the Wairapa, also for Wellington as well, mainly fine weather, but a few showers about southern Hawke's Bay and Tararua district this afternoon. For Wanganui to Taihape, also for the Kapiti coast, as well as Nelson and Marlborough. Partly cloudy with isolated showers from Cappity Coast southwards. And that's going to be this afternoon and evening. For Buller and Fiordland, partly cloudy with isolated showers, turning to rain this evening. For Canterbury, partly cloudy with isolated showers, clearing and becoming fine this morning. Otago and Southland, mainly fine. Scattered rain in Southland this evening and a few showers of rain, of spots of rain, I should say, elsewhere tonight. And for the Chatham Islands, partly cloudy for you. Well, that's my lot. I will see you tomorrow. Not tomorrow. I'm going to have a day off. I'm going to just relax. I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. It's going to be lovely. It's going to be lovely. Isn't it? And don't forget, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved.
6: Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Business as usual at the United Nations on Tuesday as the U.N. Secretary-General Antonio Guterres proved once again that the institution is a one-sided joke when it comes to Israel. After quote-unquote condemning the Hamas attacks of October 7th, which killed over 1,400 Israelis in the most brutal of ways, he was quick to add this disclaimer.
2: It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence. Their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing
6: almost immediately the israeli ambassador to the un tweeted the un secretary general who shows understanding for the campaign of mass murder of children women and the elderly is not fit to lead the un i call on him to resign immediately that chance thanks for giving me a minute i'm steve Mallsberg be sure to listen to my show monday through friday 10 p.m eastern time right here
2: on tnt radio march 1799 palestine General Napoleon Bonaparte's French troops take the city of Jaffa in a bloody assault. That evening, French troops slaughter and pillage without mercy. An army doctor wrote, «Soldiers cut the throats of men and women, the old and young, Christians and Turks.» Over the next few days, 3,000 Ottoman prisoners who'd been promised their lives were taken to the beach and massacred. French soldiers used bayonets to save ammunition. Napoleon's defense? He could not spare the men to guard so many prisoners. Some had been captured before and broken oaths not to fight France again. He could not feed them. There was no formal concept of war crimes in the 18th century, but Napoleon's orders at Jaffa were a lingering stain on his reputation, vigorously exploited by his enemies.
8: Here in Israel, we had a horrifying massacre of Israelis. And it is, until today, almost a month had passed, and we don't have the exact number of how many people were killed. Hamas is publishing numbers every day. How do they know how many people were killed in each and every attack? How do they know that these were all civilians? The numbers that are coming out of Gaza include the 1,500 terrorists that invaded into Israel and uh, slaughtered our families. The numbers that are coming out of Gaza include the Hamas terrorists that are fighting against the IDF now. Nobody knows what's the numbers exactly. The distinction between civilians and terrorists, how they were killed. Nobody knows. And everybody just view Israel as responsible. And I think it's important to look at the details in this picture. For all of us to be capable of defeating terror... I
6: look white, dude. I look like I tell my mom to shut up. (laughs) I could never do that. I could never do that. I have a Cuban mom that escaped communism, okay? The only reason I know that is because she told me every morning. So I don't know how you woke up in the morning, but for me, it's Good morning, Marcelo. Have a great day. But just remember, I free you. She's a scary woman. In my house, you can't have a bad day. When your mom escapes communism, you can't have a bad day. You get home from school, you're like, Mom, I had a bad day at school. She's like, what happened? What happened that was so bad? Did somebody steal your freedom today? (laughs) I don't understand.
1: Uh, I, I... The expatriates from the communist countries, they are the best. The best people. Today's best country, the wireless.